0: Hello. Have we got an episode for you today. This is an absolute marathon. We ran, what did we run?
1: Uh, About three hours or so.
0: Yeah, I think we might have even been closer to three and a half. Phenomenal though. Uh, Such a great interview with our dear friend Sam Elliott, a comedian and a retired paramedic. We talk about... So much. (laughs) Yeah, there's lots
1: of comedy talk on this in the first half, but uh, we try to make it as relatable as possible to everybody. And then uh, the second half is more of a sort of back to talking about death, which is what we're trying to do here, but also keep it light. So.
0: Yeah. I I strongly encourage you to listen to the whole thing. It's absolutely hands down my favorite conversation so far. Sam is a phenomenal individual. He has such cool insight on things. He's a very deep thinker. However, if you're more interested in the death specific content, go to about the one hour ish mark. I put a little
1: now listen to the whole thing. You're going to like you should listen
0: to the whole thing. Absolutely. But I did put a little musical marker to divide the uh, first portion of of our conversation from the second. Yeah. Hope you enjoy the interview. It's it's great.
1: Sam has did more preparation for it than we did to be honest. So <laughs> yeah, he, totally. uh, he's he was uh we'll have him back for sure. <laughs> I'm sure. But enjoy the show. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be great.
0: All right. Thanks. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Talk Me to Death. I'm your host, Amanda, here with my co-host, Andrew. Hello. And today we're talking to our friend, Sam, a retired paramedic, and we're going to get into death and dying.
1: Well, and he's also a retired paramedic (laughs) and a comedian. Sorry. Retired paramedic, now a comedian. Now a comedian and friend of mine. Of course, I pretend to do comedy as well. And we're here in Kamloops, B.C. because... Sam and I are doing a show together. Sam hosts a show at the Fe Arts Collective in Kamloops, and he's been so kind to ask me to uh, do a show tonight, to headline that room, and so we're killing two birds with one stone and doing a thing here. So, thanks, Sam. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm yeah. super excited. Welcome. Yeah,
0: it's it's exciting. I'm I, actually... you were say I was
2: retired comic.
0: <laughs> i think he was gonna yeah,
2: I, I was gonna say, I the basically other, I was gonna say another R word week. but no i'm just kidding <laughs> i do
1: retire once a week as a comic
2: yeah I, I
1: well i feel like sometimes i retire after a bad set yeah <laughs> so that's, sam is definitely found his calling i'd say he's a hilarious comedian i'm gonna pump his tires ah, right now, thanks so, i appreciate that yeah. but don't expect that on this podcast necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> get ready to laugh everybody <laughs>
0: Okay, so we'll we'll jump in. I mean, just as a general rule, sort of ask uh, our guest if they can maybe start by. Can you just give us a brief rundown on like who you are, kind of what your background is, what you did, what you do, how you came to be here?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah, I um I I was a paramedic for about about eight and a half years in total. Did that for a while it was uh, a lot of fun. Started doing comedy about two years ago, off and on, and. Really enjoyed it, but uh, also had some had some uh, mental health issues from work as well, uh, which ended up which ended up uh, ending my career. And yeah, now I'm just kind of in between careers at this point, and just kind of enjoying doing comedy. And yeah, I mean, I've got really lucky that we opened up this awesome club right by my house that I get to kind of walk to once a week and just do like you know twenty thirty minutes. It's, it's great. Yeah. So yeah, it's a fun little time in my life, and I'm enjoying it.
0: Awesome, yeah. that's good. So, I mean, you jumped in really quickly with, uh, you know, being retired from paramedicine, uh, you know, because of uh, the mental health impacts. Mm -hmm. Would you maybe be able and willing to tell us a bit about, you know, what sort of mental health and obviously given the gist of our podcast, specifically death related, because that's something you obviously encounter a lot. Right. uh, Sort of preparation you were given during your training. If any, yeah, <laughs> and then maybe we can kind of like see where we roll from there.
1: Yeah, sure. I feel uh, like I just want to jump into one say, say one thing because again, on that preparation thing, I've been doing comedy just a, a little bit longer. You've been doing it for six years mm-hmm. or so, but I, uh, I just want to say that's also the number one reason why people quit comedy is mental health. So just to be, yeah. I'm warning you now. So oh, I already just, quit comedy <laughs> on mental health alone. <laughs> so a few just, times. But, but I, but I feel like if you need better preparedness. So maybe tell us how they maybe didn't do that for you. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually,
2: those are great questions. Cause, uh, yeah, um, the paramedic program is really intense. It was a lot of fun. It was like perfect for my brain. Cause I, I didn't really like school. I didn't like the, uh, I didn't know how long school took. I I could hyper-focus on things. Um, but I, I, wasn't able to, to do like long-term like courses after courses, after courses. So the paramedic, uh, uh program was really great. So it's about, <laughs> they managed to cram in about two to three years of information in about four to five months. And it's like, if you pass, good for you. If you fail, you get one more shot. If you fail again, you're out of the program. So we lost a lot of people in our in our program. Most people, most, most programs do. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was intense. I liked it a lot. As for uh, training <laughs> when it comes to death and stuff like that, they really didn't, they didn't really train you too much. Yeah, I mean, like, and and they they didn't really change you too much on anything. You can't in that short amount of time. They kind Mm -hmm. of give you the gist of everything and you really just learn on the job. Mm -hmm. And so you have people from all walks of life. You guys have have guys coming from the military who who are used to that kind of stuff. And then you're also getting these, like, 18-year-old kids who are just coming out of high school who love who love first aid. Mm. And uh, and then, you know, you get to like do CPR with them. They've never done any of that at all. And wow. uh, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You could be working with a guy who's, who's a veteran of like 35 years as a paramedic. And then the next day you could be working with a brand new person who has a less scope of practice than you and you're running the whole thing. And uh, yeah, it's like the Wild West, which is kind of fun, which I love. Mm. I loved about it. Mm-hmm. I, I still love about it. Every a few days, I go, I go. Oh, I really wish I didn't give up my uh, my license because that would have been a fun job to go back to. And then I was like, Oh yeah, dead kids, right? I yeah, yeah, probably shouldn't do that anymore.
3: Yeah, I understand.
1: <laughs> well, what about? Uh, I was going to say, do you, how long into starting did you like encounter death? Basically, like I'm sure it's kind of like you're around it a little bit. Or uh, you don't right away, good? really? I, yeah. Like first shift. Uh, yeah. Oh, first geez. shift right away uh, on my first
2: practicum training shift, I got. We got, uh, we had this lady who was deceased and we had to go check on her and she was deceased. So there's nothing we could do with a little old lady. And, uh, and then they were supposed to call. So we we're supposed to stay there. The paramedics were supposed to stay there until the police arrive
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, so they can take over that whole thing. But they forgot about us. Oh. These dispatchers forgot about us. So we just spent three hours with this dead body. Oh, <laughs> my <Jesus>. first shift. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, which was a good learning experience. Yeah, you know, like we, sure. we kept calling them, and be like, "Where where's the cops? Like what's going on?" And they were like, "Oh, they're coming." And they just kept forgetting. So I had a really great teacher, and we kind of just poked around this dead body, and we we're like, "Oh, look, this is lividity. This is all these other things." So it was actually a really good learning experience hmm. for that. And the nice thing is that, uh, I mean, it's sad when you think that she was completely alone. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was great because she didn't have any family around that we could really, it was really a great learning experience for me. Interesting. Yeah. So when I actually uh, came upon it with family, with the intensity, I already have this three hours of sitting with this body and, mm-hmm. you know, it, uh, it was a good learning experience for that. Mm.
0: So then once you were up and running, once you were, you know, fully licensed and yeah. an active paramedic and, and out there, you know, running the streets. Yeah. What were your supports like then? Because then shit starts getting real.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, It starts getting real, and you are completely alone. That's the worst part uh, about being a paramedic in in uh, BC. Is that BC does
0: not treat their paramedics well? Don't. Just in case anyone's wondering, they do mm-hmm. not.
2: Uh, you're working about you got about two dollars an hour, but you're also sent out. You can't get into any cities. So you, I started mm-hmm. in Lumby, um, oh. Lumbee, BC, mm-hmm. and uh, and so yeah, if you had a call, you were completely alone. The the closest ambulance to you for any help was at least 20 minutes away and Jeez. they didn't have any any advanced care paramedics even there mm-hmm. uh, so if we got lucky we could get a helicopter for some really crazy stuff which we ended up doing at, well i was uh, going to
1: say and lumby for those that don't know is probably a lot more industrial accidents that you would see because there's some sawmills and things would you see that kind of stuff there or not? You know, i really didn't see that that's, oh, really? the, that's the thing about
2: sawmills there's really it's really safe until it's not right and then it's something yes. crazy right but it doesn't oh, happen yeah. very often fair enough okay. yeah but, uh, but yeah, people would think that, no, it's just a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, um, retirement homes there. Mm. So there's that. And then you're really just watching Vernon the whole time. And, uh, right. uh, yeah.
1: So where were you, where were you? Living? How far away were you living? I was in? living in Kelowna. So I was living oh, about okay. uh, an
2: hour, an hour and a bit away okay. driving there. Wow. And that's yeah. how
1: you had to start. Yeah. I'd work
2: about 96-hour shifts and uh make 2 dollars an hour. I would hope for injury. I would hope for people to get injured or sick cuz that's how I got paid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a weird, <laughs> a weird. You have these new paramedics and they're just like hoping for death and hoping for injury and Well, you have to. Because you do. You're not yeah.
0: you're you're on shift without being on shift. It's yeah. it's the most insane thing I've ever heard of. I, know. I have no idea. Yeah, no, no one's no
2: hanging out idea.
1: in the ambulance hall no. and you hang out in the ambulance hall waiting for something? Yeah, just hanging yeah. out watching movies for watching for TV 2 bucks an hour. 2, two bucks yeah. an hour, yeah. Yeah, yeah for making some f- food and more than i make now doing comedy okay. it was a pretty good gig <laughs> no, <just> yeah <laughs> yeah
0: i had worked i had worked as a nurse for years and then mm. i spent about a year doing high acuity transport which oh, wow. is the first time i would ever really interacted other than handoffs and emerge of course yeah interacted like really, really with, with, the with paramedics yeah i had no clue yeah. it's you guys have a terrible union it's I awful know.
2: well th- that's the thing is that it's such a cool job that you can totally get away with convincing someone to do it for no money yeah. it's such a wild. Like, it's for the people who just love that like yeah. love that rush love the mm. the cowboyness of it you're yeah. completely alone and so yeah as much as i hated it i can complain about it you know i, I willingly accepted yeah. how much i knew i knew going into the training how much money i would get paid
0: it's still it's yeah. still it's batshit
1: oh yeah it's getting better now well and i know better, you. Yeah. i was gonna say i know you personally too and so if i and i can go back on a little bit in your life because I know that you actually started out with doing military training, you were going to be in the military, right? Yeah, I was in which was is in sort of the same, it's the other of, side of the coin, it's low pay with possible crazy stuff happening.
2: Yeah, never got to do anything cool at all, no? Um, but, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, that that, that uh, that was, I was a young kid when that happened, that yeah. Was, so, I think that kind of started. Yeah, um, I actually got into that because of my fascination with death and my depression and stuff like that. I just went, well, I already want to die. Might as well join the army and try yeah. to make my life somewhat useful. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. That was the goal at seventeen. Interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so then, death, mental health. Now you're a paramedic. So aside from like on the job supports, I am curious because I've never really had this conversation with any of the other paramedics I know. What sort of other supports, like? You know, for traumatic calls or things like that. Did did you was there a process in place for debriefing? Did people check in on you? How did mental health come to be a component for you leaving the profession? Was it like a snowball thing? Was there a single event? Like what sort of how did that work within the context of your job?
2: Um Can you re- re- say that question one more time? Sorry, that here? I know that was really long and convoluted. <laughs> I'm
0: just I'm sort of more curious, like, you know, because paramedicine can can come up, you know, like truly first responders to some some crazy, crazy things. Yeah. Did you have like outside of working hours when there might be another car on call or whatever, the, those technical supports? Mm-hmm. Were there supports in place for your mental health, for debriefing from bad right. calls, for checking in to see whether you needed debriefing for, you know, ongoing uh, education around self care, like anything like that? Yeah. And then how, how did that and or the lack of it, because I don't really don't know which it is, how did that impact sort of how the arc of your career went? Was it, was it that you're, you know the, the concerns from work built up over time? Was there a single event that sort of drove yeah, the okay. change for you?
2: Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a two-part question. It used to be non-existent. They've gotten a lot better over my career. And, and even now it's getting better mm-hmm. uh, with mental health kind of coming up and being more mainstream and stuff like that they're, they're understanding a little bit plus we were losing a ton of paramedics like like to suicide and stuff mm-hmm. like that like they finally realized that, like oh we need to jump on this like it was completely across canada it's yeah. all first responders a lot of them were paramedics and we had almost the same numbers as return military guys and so yeah they started putting some more work into it but initially no like there's no there's nothing and uh but you would have like your partners were really great you'd really re- learn to our partner, my partners are really great. You you really learned how to rely on them. Uh, and we would kind of debrief each other. So we would go through the call. We would be by ourselves. Um, we would either drop the person off the ambulance or, or at the hospital, um, or whatever we would do. And then we would, I, I would, a lot of people wouldn't, but I, I was always had like a, not for me. I didn't really care. I was a robot for a long time. Um, but I, I knew that it could affect people. So I would just be like, how are you doing? What's going on? so I was, I was actually the one debriefing my partners usually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, like you, you open up discussion, then you just make jokes about it and stuff, and you know we're all pretty dark. And it's just like, are you oh, good? Yeah. Are you good? Okay, great. And he's making a joke about it, and it's it's fine. And then yeah, like the longer your kind of career goes on, the more and more stuff kind of builds. You don't, I don't think I, I don't think, I don't think I realized like how much it was building at that point. Cause it really never really bothered me. There were some sad things that I would like bring home, but I would talk about it. My, my, my ex was, a was an RN as well mm. and, and who, who worked in mental health and stuff. And, uh, so it was good to be able to de- debrief with her. Like I would debrief when I got home, but I don't know how people that didn't have medical, you know, medical spouses or anything like that to. And I, I know people that wouldn't even want to talk to their spouses about it cause they couldn't right. handle it. So at least I had that, you know, which was fine. The tipping point for me was having kids, because uh, I was a paramedic for about uh, six years or so before I had kids, and then it was like a light switch, which I didn't think was going to happen. Uh, just because, I, like I said, I was a robot. Like I was able to compartmentalize. All my my colleagues, they loved working with me because they they'd make fun of me. They'd be like, oh, they would be like Sam would be like, oh, it's a stroke, okay, you know, oh, the guy's dead, all right. Like I was like really unflappable. Mm-hmm. It was it was a great career for for who I was. But yeah, having kids, man, it turns you right around. <laughs> like it makes everything really real, and then uh, and then you start looking at, and it still didn't really bother me at that point. But it really starts you start looking at everyone like a kid at mm-hmm. a certain point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know, near the end of my career uh, when I had my second daughter, I was really bad. But that was uh, at my I was in high anxiety, really high anxiety. And then I had three um, calls over the, of course, about two months that uh, just ruined me, mm-hmm. and to the point where uh, it, it sort of uh, culminated when I I lost my vision on a call, and that's when I was like, oh, and then I worked for two more weeks, and uh, but yeah, that's when I was like, oh yeah, this is not good, like something's wrong here, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I this is when my career stopped.
0: And so, did you recognize that, or like, d- did did your coworkers, did your supervisors, did was there anything? was there a reach out from your employer to be like hey like yeah. this has gone sideways
2: uh kind of yes and no so uh, on on the call that really kind of there was a first call the first call that uh, happened the first one that of the three kind of dominoes that uh, that fell the first one was uh the first one just sucked it, it kind of hit all the notes all the sensory notes that i'm like as i was doing it i was like oh this is how you get pcsd as a joke to myself right. but then totally that's what happened yeah um but then the second call about a month later it was uh, uh the day before my second daughter was born and it was for uh, a kid that looked and w- it was the same size as my first daughter right and so that was just very close to home and i got uh yeah it was uh it was a hard call and there was uh, some interpersonal issues with my partner, mm-hmm. um, which flared up other issues, and uh, we almost died on the way to the hospital, so there was like that whole thing. And then I was just so frustrated that I ended up just punching a door opener. And so when I did that, I was like, "Oh, that's never happened before, you know? Right. like I'm acting out right now. I'm really angry." Yeah, And at that point, I reached out to my my boss, and I said, "You know, something's going on. Like I don't know if we need to. Uh, contact called, I think it's called CIS uh, critical incident stress mm-hmm. so at that point that's the nice thing is that they had transitioned into that they, they actually had this 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 the this, this system in place mm-hmm. which is great and that that helped me a lot because I called this company when I, when I was like you know just on the edge of something's wrong I'm not myself. I called them. I was able to get a counselor. And then when I fell apart, I already had a counselor. So it, right. like that's what saved me. At oh, thank point. God for that. Yeah, I got lucky. Yeah. yeah. I've,
0: I've done critical instant debriefing a couple of times. And it, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah. But uh, my experience with it has always been that it's sort of like a quick dust off and then like, okay, off you go.
2: Yeah, um, it is. I, I,
0: I, I Yeah, I, I don't know like if. If I ever felt like I needed anything longer term, I, I don't know if I would have felt supported through that. No,
2: it's not. But it's it's set up in the sense that, like, they got me a counselor and that's yeah. really helped me. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the critical set, it's just colleagues that are doing their best to help you, right? So it's not like they can do much. I remember one lady called me and suggested, because I told her how depressed I was and I couldn't do anything. She told me to make some soup. No. So that, so right. that was the help that she gave me i was like did okay. she give you a specific
1: like type or brand or? no she, no she
2: wanted me to make a soup. oh make from scratch and i'm like i can't shower
1: right now what do you think i can have a make <laughs> a Be soup like, I don't... <laughs> can i make it with cyanide <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will i will
0: make a quick point though for anyone yes. listening and i'll try and find a link and throw yeah. it up here is that through workplace health and sa- workplace health and safety so work bc mm-hmm. um there is Critical incident debriefing available, which you can access directly, independently, mm-hmm. entirely outside of your um, employer. Yeah. I'm not honestly not sure if it's if it's uh, healthcare provider specific or it's for if it's for anyone who up, comes across something mm. through work. That is, it's all run by like master's level registered counselors. Yeah. So I will try and find that if anybody wants that information because you know it's important to have.
1: No, for sure. Well, and honestly, because I I know uh, Amanda and I've heard different things because I've asked her about that one time too similar similar like what kind of support is there because you i mean working in the er it's yeah. you know she's as you know cleaning mm-hmm. up what you bring to her <laughs> so the nice thing is that they so. actually
2: they do flag things now
1: so even before the call oh. starts
2: if it comes in as a certain like this is like a someone needs to talk to this crew after they're done this oh interesting that does good. get flagged that sends to the manager that's good and then if everything goes to plan that is that is uh you know they're they're reached out to but Hmm. Yeah, the effectiveness the uh, them some actually doing that mm-hmm. you know sometimes they forget then they're busy and they just I need an ambulance it's, it's hard the, 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 it's the, really the, hard yeah the the, the uh, idea is there and uh, things are in place it's yeah. not as good as it could be obviously but you know nothing well, is so
1: and from the outside listening because again I'm not in medicine at all Yeah. It, to me what you described and what Amanda's described sounds like and I, I know it's intentions are good but it's sort of like you okay big guy okay, yeah. okay. a lot of times it is. you gonna yeah. be okay and yeah. it's like i guess so yeah, yeah. like okay well have well, some soup good night
2: that not even I wish it was like that no i had a <laughs> colleague that had they were on a hanging on christmas mm. and they uh they over the radio they were like can you guys clear we have another call coming in because they're like, because mm. there's nothing you can do at that point, right? But no. they're waiting for police. They were dealing, it's Christmas, the family's there. But over the radio, yeah. they're like, you guys need to clear. We have another call coming in that yeah. you need to go. So the idea is there to help, but then very much, they're just trying to push you out and get the call. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're understaffed. It's, Everyone uh, it's hard. Is, it's, Everyone It's is. insane. Yeah.
0: I This was a number of years ago now, but I peripherally worked the resuscitation efforts for the child of one of our local paramedics. Uh. And, you know, of course, like, all of the paramedics in town were there. Yeah. You know, half the hospital staff in town was there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was, I mean, it was horrific for a variety of reasons. But I I do recall, as I was moving around the department, hearing people's radios going off, being like, you guys need to get out of there. And they're like like we actually kind of need to shut the town down right now cuz <laughs> yeah. I don't think you understand how incapacitating this is for absolutely everyone.
2: Yeah, that's funny when you when you when you're out of that even just as a dispatch you don't know, no. right? But all you can do is always got to clear someone up. Somebody yeah. needs to clear. Like, absolutely. And so, you know, it's just the way the
0: Well, and, I mean, up. and dispatch is, is you know, so centralized, they have no idea. They no have idea. No, they don't they have even no know, training and... and they don't even know where places are at <laughs> the time. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, they everyone's doing their best and honestly, <laughs> uh, when I when I did leave as a paramedic, Um, the first thing they offer you is, okay, you're done as a paramedic. You can totally be a dispatcher. Mm -hmm. And like all of, (laughs) I know that was almost 100% of ptsd rate on dispatchers and call takers more than parents oh my god secondary yeah. trauma oh, is and the fact that i have maybe 12 patients you know in a 12-hour shift maybe right mm-hmm. and, and they have 100 yeah. and they're right. talking to 100 and they have no connection to them oh, well and so nowadays you know they've
0: got they've got all these patients that are, that are coming through on these dispatch calls who have been sitting on hold yeah while their hour. loved oh, ones imagine. having a heart attack or, so or they are really yeah. off the chain mm-hmm. You know, it's, I, I it's, uh, oh, oh. and they're yeah.
2: 18, they've got a high school and they're doing their best. It was an entry
0: yeah. level job, yeah. which is a pretty and good amount of money. They're and... trying to follow the algorithm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, <laughs> oh God, I no, there's no way. Yeah. I there didn't
1: realize a... you get put on hold on nine one one. Yep.
0: Now it's, you do. You it's don't become, even, yeah. you
2: did not even get into the person that says police, ambulance or fire at this point. It takes a while to even yeah. get to that point. Wow. Yeah. It's bad right now. COVID is horrible. On, I mean, I, av-
0: like, on average, I think most days there's like a 10 to 15 minute. Not always, mm-hmm. but wow. generally 10, 15 minute wait, which is considered pretty much nothing by most dispatch standards. But you think about like, you know, oh, my God, my house is on fire. Can you just hold for 15 minutes?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fight your own fires. Yeah. I mean, take law into your own hands. Yeah. And uh, buy a first aid kit. Sounds like what you guys are saying. <laughs> so. Basically. Make sure you got an Arcan on you. Make sure you know how to do CPR. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, I I I've always relied I relied on BCAA and uh, for broken down vehicles. I had a truck blowout in the Kootenai Pass. Yeah around new year's and i i went to phone and um it was they said i'm number 210 in line i know it's apples (laughs) and oranges but i was like i'm i'll i will die right before i do before that happens right i'd (laughs) be like i literally would it was minus 20
0: yeah
1: and i they said or if you find someone else and then they you pay them we'll pay you back so i went that way because i was like
0: and that I was, was like, how many weeks ago and you're still waiting to hear back about the yeah, refund. Yeah, I haven't heard back.
1: <laughs> but also I was like I my first thought was I was like, oh, this is that's a crazy. And it was during the um it was during the cold snap. But oh, I yeah. Was, but I was, so that's probably why they're so back up, but I was like Right. I can't believe how. So I've got to be better prepared because yeah, probably. I, I thought you're it.
2: saying you rely on BCAA to do the paramedic stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah that
1: BCAA is going to take forever. Let's call it just BCAA. for my heart attacks because they have the booster packs. Yeah, right. So that's yeah. all they can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as long as but you've
0: got a booster pack now. I know. Do it yourself. So I, do, I know. But, well, well, but
1: the, that's the problem is you can't do it. You can't self-administer like an AED or a booster pack. Uh, you can self administer I mean, ad. You could, yeah. if you're conscious, yeah. you could DIY. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to bullshit the two yeah. <laughs> <laughs> medical people. But, uh, I mean, you if could... you're dead, yeah, you can. But if it's like
2: an or, like an arrhythmia, sure, you Are can. You go... Trying to <laughs>
1: tell me, tell me, 13.1 <laughs> volts from my uh, booster pack is not going to bring me back. Yeah, uh, you can do a precordial thump on yourself, maybe that'll give you oh, two yeah. jumps. Yeah. Well, we know it's amperage, not voltage either. Yeah, so maybe, yeah. To get it, I mean, I know that from how you die electrocuting yourself. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yes. No, I do not use BCA for, you know, my it's medical good. Yeah. things. Yeah, no, is, we're uh, not there yet, hopefully. But it <laughs> seems like if I was 210 in line, it might be faster. Yeah, because. right? I mean, like, yeah, people start calling everybody. Yeah. I mean,
0: there and there is the reverse. There are definitely people who use the ambulance as a taxi. Oh, oh um, yeah, yeah. They'll call, oh, I was no, going to no, ask you about that, actually. Oh, that's so I fun. need to get uptown. Yeah. Well, oh, you know what? I feel better. I'm checking out AMA. Bye.
1: That was one thing where that's that's what I actually talked to. We were talking about this with the tow truck because I said I said you know it'd be funny if you could use services as a taxi somewhat and and Amanda's like oh no that happens all the time because if you're if you're under the care of the ministry Mm -hmm. like you don't like you know all three of us here have to pay for ambulances Mm -hmm. if we call one but if you're under the care you don't have to necessarily and if you're maybe in a marginalized situation or on disability. Also if you're just far away from the hospital it's cheaper. Yeah Mm -hmm. than a taxi. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, yeah. I, uh, the first time I saw, it, I, I know was how like, we're getting home tonight. Oh, yeah,
1: a <laughs> <laughs> <the> block away. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll all have to be injured. Will they put three people in an ambulance? I don't think so.
3: <laughs> we can ask.
1: It. I mean, I could ask. I could call. Oh yeah, later. you know some people. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I don't know if I, if I have any weight. I've been off Dispatch, for about two years now. <laughs> I
0: stubbed my toe. I can't walk home. Actually, well,
1: I wondered about that because I was going to ask about this. So yeah, I grew up in a small town, so I know that. Like, I knew some well heard some things that like you know people would get out of speeding tickets because mm-hmm. they are ambulance drivers or whatever have you ever heard of the, you know what i mean because you're kind of like part of the same crew as the f- police i don't know maybe I it's just know. a small town that we're just on the same probably baseball team together
2: <laughs>
0: probably that, yeah. more likely that yeah. honestly okay
1: but what about also, you... ambulance drivers that's you know, what i was gonna, gonna ask did you ever drive the ambulance
2: yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah you know you switch out, yeah, you switch out. Say, yeah, you there's, no, there's no ambulance drivers anymore oh okay i wasn't too sure but it's a derogatory term i don't appreciate that yeah i'm sorry that's okay yeah there Medical
1: bus, chauffeur? Uh, no, like, you know, you're generally two paramedics and you yeah. just take shifts on who's attending and who's driving. That'd be funny to be like, oh, it's, thank you for your service. Yeah, I just drive. I just I drive. Just, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a taxi driver. I, so even I don't even know. know. This is an ambulance. I don't even have to know what's going on back <laughs> yeah. there. I just look forward. It's, apparently, it's rough. I just but feel like a hero. I just know that traffic was terrible yesterday. That's all, <laughs> that's the thing that that's their PTSD. Yeah, it's that's funny. Actually, you,
2: don't, you don't think of it. Actually, the the I really love driving because you can actually provide a lot of really good care um, to patients. Because if you Ooh. have a terrible driver, it totally <laughs> makes a difference. Oh like, yeah, you have a sparing, broken femur oh, and you have yeah, a terrible absolutely. driver going over a bridge. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah no, I, I, t- I took pride in my driving. And well,
0: you should. So I yeah. like I said, I did transport for a year, mm-hmm. and I left transport because it turns out this has never happened to me in any other arena in my life and i've done all sorts of things where it should have flared up i get wildly carsick in the oh, back yeah. Of an ambulance. oh yeah oh yeah like people do like dose myself with gravel mm-hmm. uh zofran wear the band yeah. put the things behind me like everything, everything and right? i would come back i remember doing a call one time with a pediatric uh, patient i was transporting and it would be like thankfully really, the child was relatively stable do mm-hmm. something with and mom's sitting right there do something with the kid puke in a bucket. Yeah. So kid, puke in a bucket. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm doing a chart for a second, puke in a bucket. Jeez. My mom's like, do you need something? And I'm like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> it, was, oh, it was so embarrassing. No, I felt so
2: bad when my partner was like a pregnant lady. I'm like, what do you want to do today? Do you want to drive or do you want me and stuck in the back? And I would let them choose whatever they want right. to do.
0: But we definitely, there are a couple of paramedics who were like, rough drivers yeah. <laughs> and you'd be doing some like windy highways at yeah. night yeah. And, oh boy oh man Yeah, those I would are the com-
2: cowboys I would
0: I literally guys. I would be green when I got back to the hospital just like no, I'm good. I'm just going to take this personally. I see you and go lay down for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you know, you know the road that you get to my place, yeah. highway, highway 33. And that's the way that the heart team, like uh, Amanda did mm-hmm. that. And that's the road they go. And it's like, there's a section about 80K where there's no cell service. And it's also windy as hell. Yeah. And in the wintertime, they like, it's kind of like a, they, they plow up to Big White yeah. and then they're like, well, I guess we'll keep going eventually. <laughs> but it's, it's gnarly. It's a crazy road. And oh, yeah. So much wildlife. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so much wildlife. And that's the, and the only time when I'd be driving on that road sometimes it would be like the only other vehicle I ever see on that road is the ambulance. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's just doing patient transfers. Yeah, but yeah. on the like, there's no other, as you know, in that area of BC, there's no other way. Yeah. That's the shortest way. If anyone's like,
0: fact-checking me, I very well could be wrong about this. But I think that part of the uh, timeout for paramedics now is to do with a fatal accident that happened, I think, on that highway where they fatigue, bad weather conditions. Oh, like
2: paramedic rolled that, the ambulance. That, that was, right? I thought yeah. that was on the island.
0: I, I, I could be wrong. I, for some there reason, there was I a thought famous
2: I, one that happened in about 2006. I could, I'm wrong on the date, but 2006, yeah. about 2006. You're probably more right than me. For some reason, yeah, in my head, they, I thought they it was they 30, they fell asleep. Uh, it was a, but, it was geez. a. A fatigue thing they fell yeah, asleep was, and rolled bad. off a, a phone embankment it was really bad yeah and they didn't know until the morning when the crew came to to um to take over yeah oh, that's geez. how they found yeah yeah and there's was there it was just a solo driver or is it no one of them was sleeping in the back yeah. it's all oh, it's geez. always yeah. pairs always always pairs oh yeah, I guess
0: yeah. so yeah yeah and if you ever see only one paramedic in the front of an ambulance it means the other person's in the back with a patient
1: yeah well you know what's funny about that too is the only other time you will see is is one person in an ambulance? Is that uh, I used to work for um, a uh, dealership in Kelowna. Oh, that and all the all mm-hmm. the for, all the ambulances are Ford, yeah. they're Ford diesels. But for some reason, I worked for this dealership that was the Dodge, and they had the contract for doing all the ambulance maintenance and recalls and all these things. Right? Yeah. Some recalls. I actually worked for Ford at one point too, and we would do some of them. But anyway, they would always be working on. And this guy, the one guy, he was that was his job is he just worked on ambulances all day, every day, oh. in the back of the dealership. He had two bays. And he'd be doing maintenance and repairs and whatever, and and they were doing something else. So they'd bring ambulances to him from all over the place, and then he would drop them off. And the, mm-hmm. it's probably about it's about three k from there. And he one time was driving the ambulance out uh, to the ambulance station. There's a big one in uh, right by Costco in Kelowna. Yeah. So anyway, and it's it's not that far. He was driving the ambulance there, and there was this crazy. Yeah, so highway, block. Hey, yeah, Highway 33 yeah. and Highway 97. He's turning there, and there was this crazy accident. Oh, he had to drive and, by it? And he had to drive. People are like, <laughs> so stop, funny. stop. And he just had to keep going because he's yeah. like, I'm just a mechanic. Yeah. And then people are like, what the hell is wrong? Can't you do? And what I a mean, monster. I know. Because right? like, it le- literally had just happened. He's like, I saw this thing happen. The car's flipped over. People are screaming. And yeah. they're like, oh, good. There's an ambulance. And he's just like, oh, he's not turning on the lights or sirens. Yeah. And like he's just like, see ya. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Then- yeah, anyway. Not
2: the same kind of thing, but in the same vein is that uh, they had to come up with a policy that said if you are going lights and sirens to a call yeah. uh, and then you get canceled. And let's say you happen to get canceled as you're going through an intersection, lights and sirens, through a red light. Don't turn into the nearest Tim Hortons because oh, like it looks like you God, blew oh, through a light, and then just you turn off the lights, turn into Tim oh, Hortons, I've never oh, even straight to the drive that. Yeah, that's no, people amazing. got caught, get called in, people complained about it all the time, that's not so realizing funny. they just happened to get canceled. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's yeah. the
0: thing. I mean, and we this Damn has come cancel up culture. multiple <laughs> cancel times, yeah. multiple times on the podcast already. Like what? people truly have no idea how the system works. Oh no, right? And so they see you know, something that the paramedics are doing or something's happening in the hospital and, and their interpretation of it mm-hmm. has nothing to do with what's actually going on, yeah. but it becomes their truth. And that next thing, you know, yeah, things are running up the chain right, and yeah. you're like, ah.
2: there's always weird things. Like sometimes we would be going code three, which is lights and sirens to a call. And, uh, and then we would pass an ambulance going the other way. Going code three to a call that w- where we were coming from, like it's it, they're yeah. oh, weird. Yeah. Oh, because they've the, already picked up people. No, it's oh. just that they were like they just happen to send us to, someone. Yeah, just the way messed the dispatches oh, fell out, that's and they funny. just sent someone far away from both sides. They cross, we cross paths, and we just waved at each other as we were going that's by.
0: Amazing,
1: yeah, but scary. So funny. Yeah, yeah. that's that's really funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or I've heard stories about like, so in our area between, um, towards the north end of Summerland is the cutoff. So if you're, if you're slightly south of whatever this arbitrary line is, yeah. you come to Penticton, otherwise you go to Kelowna. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I've, I've heard of uh, crews being dispatched to things like right in that area where people know that. And they're like, I will give you money if you will take me to Penticton because it'll be faster. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but they're supposed to go to Kelowna, you know.
1: And will they? No. Oh, no, of course bribe. Not. You can't. But it's just You, it's bri- a, you it could a probably bribe thing? an ambulance attendant. Oh, like, well, or, I, I used or, to work uh, at Chase,
2: my... and that's right in the middle of Salmon Arm and Kamloops. Yeah. So oh, we'd yeah. just be like, if it wasn't serious, we'd be like, where do you want to go? Mm. Oh wow! Yeah, like it's—it's <laughs> it's forty-five minutes either way. Which way do you want to go? That's
1: you're there, like the Legion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Legion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. In Chase, though. <laughs>
0: Okay, so for a death podcast, we're actually death, talking yeah, about lots but death. Yeah, we're going to have to cut a lot of this out. No, no. No, no. no, no we'll we don't, it's still interesting. By it's the way, all...
1: too, a couple of caveats that I didn't mention, too, is that we are in a big open space, so it might be a little echo, echoey. There is dogs in the area, so you might Just hear the Just like the, the odd.
0: general vicinity. There's packs of them. We're, we're surrounded around. by dogs. Four there's dogs. there's <laughs> literally four dogs
1: in this room, and they're being quite calm, but sometimes you might hear some uh, jinglings and stuff, but also... We might do this as a two-part because, again, we're doing a show, so we're going to do up until we have to go do the show, and we might be back after the show to do more. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to uh, that stuff. do as long as we want. So. Well, you <laughs> know, okay,
0: so actually, since you mentioned the show, let's actually jump into that because I know it's a, something you want to talk a little bit about. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about about Drew.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: About, I'll leave that to you guys because you certainly knew him far better than I did.
1: Sure. Yeah, well, yeah, as Amanda said, Drew McClain, uh was a great comedy promoter and actually just just promoter uh, and, in, in general, general yeah. but com- comedy for us. Mm-hmm in Kamloops in and here and he he basically uh, unfortunately he just died suddenly suddenly about, yeah about, I talked to him like the day before yeah and I had done um uh, we had done a show there's a festival that they do annually here in Kamloops that he was the organizer and promoter and creator of and it, it got bigger and bigger every year and always a lot of fun i mean covid made it a little bit tricky for the past couple of years but he mm-hmm. still pulled it off yeah and a lot of places didn't do it but anyway it was uh it's actually interesting that i'm here because one of the last conversations i had with drew was that at last night of the, the festival and i said hey don't worry i'm gonna try to convince sam to do this bit room for you because he here's lives here's around the, the corner reason. And I was like, he should do this room. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I've been, I've been asking him. And when you and
0: say do the room, what do you mean by that? People oh yeah. Sorry.
1: So what that means is that they're doing open mic every Wednesday. Today is a Wednesday. And, um, while we're recording this and they also have a headliner come in and, but to run a room and have an open mic, you have to have a dedicated host and someone that's willing to a keep the room going, but also host it and, you know, be funny and a lot Right, yeah. a lot. I mean, Sam is one of the best. He he's the hardest working writer I know in comedy oh, that I know I appreciate I, that. I'm looking at his. He looks like uh, this is. I'm in his room right now. I'm looking at a whiteboard. It's a double whiteboard. <laughs> it's a whole. I wall. can't read the questions that are on there because they're actually a lot of them. It just wouldn't make any sense no. if the context just... of them. But they look like a madman's manifesto. Oh, of, yeah, it really does of craziness, vulgarity, hilarious. It's, but also I know everything that. Again, he's, the one thing I I love and dislike about Sam is that he'll go up and do 10 minutes (laughs) and then he'll come out and he'll be like, we're like that was amazing how long have you been doing that he's like ah oh, that's the first time i've said those things <laughs> and that's a, he's very good at that that's and my superpower people, as a comedian yeah to make yeah. it look like you always just trying new stuff seems like you've been doing it for i years. love doing new stuff i say i hate hate reworking stuff i i
2: don't mind reworking i actually have a lot of fun reworking stuff but i when i come up with a new joke i just can't wait to do that mm-hmm. and so i just kind of get in that zone sometimes where i just like to keep doing more new new stuff sure yeah me too Yeah. and I then get that. what i've what i've had like is that helps me um that helps me write and then so and then once i can get enough jokes and i can look at that and then go okay what can i do with Mm -hmm. that now which ones i want to work on like once i have a big plethora of jokes that are just first time that went okay sure how do i rework those and uh yeah i mean it's fun to do that but i also like the challenge of like like tonight i'm probably gonna do about 25 minutes of new stuff
1: well apparently i'm headlining so that i'm gonna try to do a bunch of new stuff that's great because it's just it's it's fun because it is an open mic room yeah and you know it is and and again the the room itself is it's a awesome arts collective if you're ever in Kamloops you should check it out but it, it was the uh, uh again the brainchild of a, a bunch of people mm-hmm. but Drew was obviously Drew is the guy that I would say for both of us why we still do comedy yeah because he's given us the opportunity here and I know one I of mean, the reasons I good. I was gonna say one of the reasons I encouraged Sam to do this for, or to like take over and do oh man I wish there was a place you could do comedy because I know I used to do what he did which was two and a half hour drive mm mm-hmm to another city to do a five, five minute minutes. set yeah. and then if it went t- terrible yeah <laughs> sometimes it went really good and you'd be yeah. like yeah and you can ride that high for yeah. two and a oh, half hours great. back you feel like a king for, for right for two hours it's fantastic but then sometimes it's horrible and that was one of the and then so you have to live with yourself for two and a half hours oh, of yeah. like wow what did i just do well five hours total because i drove there yeah. and back and i got a free beer that i didn't even drink because i'm driving back I, I would use that as bargaining that's Oh nice no, i got so you, people who like me oh you give away your ticket yeah nice yeah yeah I thought so, whoever yeah. didn't like me and give him a
3: beer.
2: I
1: think that's how we met. He maybe probably, gave yeah. me a ticket. And I was like, Yeah. This Guys pretty like, cool. This guy, this, this guy looks like he needs a beer. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> he did that. a horrible set. Yeah. <laughs> just, but anyway, I was gonna say sorry to cut you off, but I was gonna say that's it's, it's interesting because we you know, we owe comedy in a weird way. I, I thought about quitting uh, many times because I, I had like you, I had a career mm-hmm. I was doing stuff and I literally'd i be like, Yeah, I should just probably stick with this job that yeah. I'm doing. And I would get a call from Drew being like, Hey. I need a host for tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he called me because he knew I would always come yeah. or he thought I was funny, but that doesn't matter because he would right. call me anyway. Right. So both are true. Yeah. <laughs> and so anyway.
0: Looking in from the outside, I mean I I did I only met Drew in passing a couple of times, but he he essentially was, you know, at least recently, the Kamloops comedy scene. I mean, he was the one totally. he was the mover mm-hmm. and shaker. He set up all the shows. He he got the headliners in. He would, you know, bring the the mid-range people in from out of town and all that, and he seemed like a real hustler and me. big guys
1: from out of town too. Yeah, yeah. he knew everybody. Yeah, crazy. I was
0: thinking more like you know Kelowna comics. And yeah, oh like yeah, that. they're no. So we're not mid-range. I mean, he we was are. he was until he
2: found know. me. Then he just started just siphoning this well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he was a hustler.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: and you know, and, and a, a, a a mainstay of the scene here. So yeah. how is it? How has it been for you guys with him suddenly dying? What what's that been like for comedy and he, in he, general I, for you for comedy here?
2: Uh, to I was
1: gonna say. Well, I, I was gonna say Drew would have been. He was a, a hardworking guy, and he he would have been fifty last week, right? Mm-hmm. He turned. Fi- he would have turned fifty. Yeah, he turned. turned and 50 and, 50. and uh, so, but I know he was hardworking, and he did have. Aaron Batowski is a guy that he worked with in the in the arts collective, yeah. And also there, uh, I can't remember the other uh, person that works there. Kaylee, yes, yeah. So, I know that's a big shoes to fill because yeah, they, that was always, a big loss. Like that, he was a big business partner with them and yeah. yeah i mean they've done a really good job weathering that and trying to figure this whole thing out yeah so for me i know i mean like i say i used to get calls all the time and been like hey can you do this thing or he'd give me you know time in advance some time to do stuff so for me i just kind of i know that that's i'm a little separated from the scene so i i would just they were random i wouldn't really other than i knowing the festivals coming up mm-hmm. but for you i must be a little bit like kind of uncharted waters to be like oh what's happening with the
2: yeah, I never I was never interested in booking a room. Mm. I, I honestly don't like doing comedy. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> it sounds counterintuitive. Kind of I love writing. I yes. love writing, I love writing jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something I can't turn off in my brain. But like the idea of like I'm gonna go and perform this, it's it's next to impossible. I have to force myself to do it every time. And so yeah, with him dying and then this and he was really he was hoping to get an open mic going. And I was honestly telling him, like, I honestly don't think it's gonna work. Like, we don't have enough people here to right. do it. We have to rely on Kelowna. And, uh, but yeah, I mean like then he died and then, and then, you know, some people stepped up, uh, Aaron Butowski stepped up, uh, Ernie Ware stepped up mm. and, uh, and the three of us kind of got together and was like, okay, well I think that we could do this if, if we're all in on this and, uh, we put mm. the effort in, uh, I'm sure we can get a headliner every week. Yeah. Maybe we can convince some people to come up and do some spots from Kelowna. And uh, and then, yeah, just hopefully we can get some more people. And, and then the more that uh, we've been doing these shows, it's kind of been nice as much as I hated doing it at first. I really like doing it mm-hmm. because now I don't have to like the Kais in Kelowna they're doing. And, and normally like, you talk to any comic. They're like, you got to do it as much as you can as yes. get up as many times as you can. Sure. Right. I don't have that luxury. Right. I'm in Kamloops. I could drive to Kelowna and spend ninety dollars each time I go there yes. to do four minutes or I can host and mm-hmm. I can do about half an hour. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know that's 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 a that's a muscle to flex too, for sure. And uh, and as I've already done my time doing my five minutes, doing my four minutes, doing my tight fives and stuff like that. And now it's nice. I get to be like this loose, really mm-hmm. easy going on stage and just have fun. And uh, I don't really care if it fails at this point. Like I'm almost wanting it to fail at this point just to see if I can yeah. get it back. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like a nice. I've, I feel like I've transitioned into like a. All right, let's just make this harder and harder. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah.
1: Well, and I was going to say, the reason I told I was thinking, I was like, man, you should do this, this uh, take over this room, or do this, or take, cause yeah. you're like, I don't know, man, that's a lot, and I, and I said, you know what, the, my whole point of the two and a half hour drive is that Sam actually lives a four minute walk yeah, from the great. venue, yeah. and so if something goes wrong, sounds like that's where you want it to go now. But yeah, <laughs> but no, you, you only have four minutes to limit it walking home.
2: And then yeah, you can, actually to go back so, to your point, uh, yeah. those times where you would bomb and you'd have to drive two hours home, they sucked. But honestly, I learned the most yeah, during totally. those times. Uh, I remember one time, like until I kind of got used to it, but when it was just horrible, I remember I was like probably driving for about an hour at this point and I couldn't think because it was too loud. And so I went to go turn down the radio and I realized the radio was off the whole time. Oh and it was just my own negative thoughts oh, that I was trying to actively turn down. Unreal. But once I like leaned into it, I like, okay, that was a bad set. And then the mm-hmm. worst thing ever is I would, had recorded it. And mm-hmm. so I would just listen to my bad set for two hours. Oh, My four minutes over oh, wow. and over and over for that two hours. Like, that sounds
1: like penance.
2: Yeah, well, that's how I would rewrite it. Because I didn't oh, have the chance to do it the next day because I drove so far, you know? Right. So I'm like, okay, well, if I can fix this in editing, and and I don't have to fix it over the next few shows. Maybe I can make this better. And that's how I got really into uh, the writing part of it. Mm. Yeah. Which is why people are like, oh, your joke still worked out. Like, no, I've I've worked way too long on this one joke. Mm.
0: So I'm curious, has has the continuation of comedy here then, was it strictly for your own sake? Was it a tribute to Drew? Tribute to
2: Drew. Yeah. Oh, I was quitting. I was done. Wow, really? Mm -hmm. Completely done. And then Drew died you told me you 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 were on acid and you did some <laughs> some some mind trick on me no I like, wasn't. this is what you're meant to do you know you don't fuse you your path and i was like oh my god and then drew died and then hmm. yeah no i just uh, they wanted to do this comedy i said okay i'll try and uh, honestly i think i've uh quit to them probably about five times hmm. since it started and i told them the other day i'm like i'm just gonna stop quitting to you guys because i'm probably not mm-hmm. going to stop but i'll just do it to myself and
1: well, it's, it's so funny because like I say, you're looking back on things and you know, it was a sudden, obviously a sudden death. Yeah. And I mean, I, uh, but yeah, looking back on that conversation, doesn't matter what substance I was on mm-hmm. or not, but, uh, <laughs> but I was at a clear point in my uh, talking to drew yeah. and he's like, yeah, I don't know how this is going to work. I hope it does. And I knew I, for some reason, just knowing you again, cause you, you, uh, and I can relate to that thing of being like, I, I like writing jokes, I like doing this thing. I hate mm-hmm. performing. Yeah. And. But at the same time, too, you do have, like, honestly, the perfect thing for yourself. Because I know for myself, I got lucky, too, where I, I was able to host a room. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I remember thinking, oh, this is... Uh, the shows might be terrible. There might be four people here sometimes. Yeah. But that's okay, because I, I've i got nothing to lose in this. We had one They're audience here. member Nobody's last, last ca- week. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great show. And honestly, the the, the funny thing about it is is that uh, uh, one of the best things... That Dave, the guy that runs the, Dave Kopp that runs the Kelowna comedy scene, he told me hosting, he was like, he's like, best case scenario, he's like, they forget about you as the host. Mm -hmm. That's what you want. You want to be able to just keep buttering everybody else up right but at the same time too you can just do your own thing yeah and you don't have to because so many times you know you we've all seen it where a host goes up and, how's everybody doing tonight all right so the other day i was walking you know that's and for comedy you really as a host you want to be able to like unite the room yeah sort of like your coach
2: you're like a team captain yes at that exactly point. Yeah.
1: you're like hey i'm with you on this I, yeah. it's gonna go well but mm-hmm. i'm gonna tell you how it's gonna go yeah and instead of being like i'm gonna just run into try to make you laugh get materials right away mm-hmm. get material because you're like i'm on stage i should probably tell joke instead yeah. of like being like you know and i i know for I know you've been excited to do this recording too, because you're like, "Oh, death is my has Damn, been way my too life. Excited, I yeah. want to do this podcast. I can't wait." <laughs> Which is why the reason we're talking about this again is we may come back after the show because it is sort of a. Oh no, we a, will. Yeah, there's, we will come. There
0: are ba- two whiteboards worth of material. I this know that we is. need to get no, through this is for tonight. I this know. I see your photos. I'm not yeah. even kidding. If
1: I had to guess, that's one of it, it's. It, just to get to it's probably seven feet by six feet, roughly.
2: Four, seven feet by Yeah, oh, yeah that's by how eight that's eight too much.
1: So? And it's full of yeah. stuff. Yeah, I try to fill and it also, up, I try to he, fill it once a week. And also,
0: he has to stand on a ladder to get to the top. It's like, it's seven feet tall, but it's 12 feet up the wall. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, it's like
1: you remember uh, A Beautiful Mind, the movie? With that, yes. <laughs> right? It's exactly. like that for comedy yeah. is what it looks now, like. Now, I do want to go back I'm Just Sorry, I'm just reading some of the premises. Again, I'm not going to say them. You're going to have to see Sam live. But they're just the premises <laughs> are hilarious oh, thanks <laughs>
2: i'm just <I>, like <laughs> i try to make my premises funny i, I think that's i'm the really glad that you yeah. probably can't see that it is a the good glare. comedy policy yeah right make your premises premise. funny a lot of people think that they has gotta know your premise yeah but if your premise can also be funny you're golden like they'll listen to yes. you if your premise is funny
1: absolutely yeah yeah because that's well i think that's what that's what i'm seeing here is all the things are like the premises are like i need to know more about that statement well, the thing so, is, I was actually,
2: so I was thinking about this last night. Uh, it's not necessarily the premise is funny. They're almost one-liners. A and little then, bit, yeah. And then I can tag it for about five minutes. So yeah, it, the joke that. is finished almost within 30 seconds of me starting it, hmm. uh, which is a fun little thing that I've started doing. It's like a weird
1: way that I've started doing it. See the parallels? Bagging and tagging. Bagging yeah. and tagging. That's what yeah. you're doing. <laughs> yeah. I, do,
0: I do actually want to kind of tie comedy and death back together a little bit here. Sure.
3: Yes, of course. We went off
0: a bit tangentially. But I'm genuinely curious. I know that very shortly after Drew died, uh, there was a show that was already booked and set up to go for comedy. Mm
2: -hmm. Two days after he died. What
0: was that like? Participate. And I know comedy exists partially to laugh at the unlaughable. Mm -hmm. That's one of the the purposes it serves. But what was it like knowing someone, losing them unexpectedly, and then trying to be funny I'm assuming potentially about that it's at points
1: well I'm, can I can I answer this and then maybe you have something to say because I'm I know Sam's not going to give the answer I'm going to give because I was at that show and uh some people did I didn't I, I honestly because it was a shock but I also didn't know what to say as a tribute other than to be like I'm just going to come out and try to be really funny and I think I did okay. okay at that but I also in my head I was like oh it'd be nice to write a joke that is like a tribute but also talks about how because again the reason i'm on this podcast is because death is heavy mm-hmm. and if someone and sam was you were hosting that show i believe no i said oh, no, that was my was headlining it oh you were head that's yeah, right that, that was a like thing for it. me yes, actually because that's that was right. the
2: first time i headlined for all of the guys that i had been like working under for the past past right. two years yeah so, so like, all the funny the fact people that that they you were all watching me it was crazy
1: well, and Sam came up with the joke and I, if I remember correctly, it was something along the lines of like, you know, I thank drew for everything in this, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he's the guy that he, some people have done some sort of tributes, but he really took the elephant out of the room and it was like, you know, drew built this kind of place. This was his dream, whatever. And it's, it's sad that he died, but I'm, I'm, I'm mad at him because I found out my ex told me that he had passed away. She had found out through, you know, Cam, this is a big, small town. And his joke was, Drew, you know, I was upset and my, I had, Drew made me hug my ex. <laughs> it was yeah. something like that. It, was just, it but yeah. But I did butcher <laughs> it, I know. But the point
2: is, is I was going to say that people... Yeah, no, if you wanted to do that joke in a non-funny way, that's, that's perfect.
1: Uh... <laughs> but the point is, he said something horrible that was yeah. like, he was like he was like cursing drew but really made it about himself and everyone laughed oh kill. that was great it was really it was one of the funniest things and it was just that's sort of why i mean that's why I comp that's why we we do this because we're we're trying to like take things a little like you know yeah. take things seriously but also if you can find the funny in a horrific situation yeah you know and it was and yes I, i'm so sorry you'll have to go see that's Santa how cause. i've
2: always dealt with death though the, the, the best death of part, the that best joke part that of i that, just killed it yeah, yeah, no. it in front yeah of you. i think that was worse than drew's death <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I, no i uh because like maybe as a paramedic but also just as a kid like how my family dealt with death we were always very funny people and uh and so yeah like i noticed in that room i, I watched the whole show and it was so sad man like people mm. they were doing their best right yeah but the nice thing about that was that there was so much tension yes and so i didn't have to do a big joke no, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big joke on like on paper it's not a good joke oh no, no it's not a good joke, no i know what you mean it's not a big joke right yes but there was just so much tension that and no one had released it at that point which yeah. i was shocked i'm like i'm not gonna get to the headlining spot right. and be able to and then no one had done it everyone had brought him up
1: had like toasted to him or something mm-hmm. so i'm like oh i'm gonna roast drew well i thought about <laughs> doing it. i was gonna be like i'm gonna bomb for 15 minutes yeah and then but the reason is it's drew's fault yeah, to blame him because a he's not here, but he's right. the one that kept encouraging me to keep going. Yeah, no, and like, he would always call me. So that was going to be my. But then I, but I also thought I was like, I don't know why, and it actually worked out perfect that you had the joke because you oh, were thanks. the headliner, and it was it yeah, was it was so a nice funny. little bookend of it. And uh, we were just talking about that. Yeah. Uh, Ferris uh, Kyle P. Ferris and Andrew Crone and I were just talking about that and how great that joke was and how oh really how, yeah wow that well, means a lot have, yeah no we were just saying how funny. Yeah, so we were just saying how funny that was, and uh, it was, uh, and it was. No, seriously, you're. Thanks. Awesome. Oh, I appreciate that. I look ass, up but, to all of you guys. The fact that you oh, like any of my, you.
2: the fact that anybody remembers any of my
1: jokes is mind boggling. Mind boggling to me. Well, that's the thing because, like you say, you don't really you can't see it from your side because no. you, you say like I like writing jokes. I just see the I mass see, of it. That's it. I see people writing, and I, I'm guilty of this too. And I was listening to a podcast on the way here being like, you, you, things are more visceral and understanding. And if you do you'll have a better grasp of what you want to say if you write it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I know that intuitively and, and writing, actual physically writing. Yeah. But a lot of my writing is done in my head and then I go, I'm just going to work this out and then if I do have to do something else, I, I, I probably should write it down and I don't. I have to write it down. Otherwise, so, I forget it forever. Interesting. It's gone immediately. Like sometimes I I
2: can take two space, like two paces to my whiteboard mm-hmm. and then immediately forget. And I'm like, all that joke's gone forever. Interesting. If I'm lucky, I can go back to where I was and it can come back. But
1: uh, I've had a lot of those where I'm like, I'll remember this for sure. It's yeah. hilarious. But no, the Drew, the Drew thing worked out really well. Yes. Cause I, uh,
2: cause I, uh, I just, I love building tension and releasing that. Like that's yes. my favorite. I love making it so that there's no laughter at all. to The mm. point where the room feels dead. Mm. And then just to, just for that yes. release, it's my favorite thing to do. So it just worked out. It was a, such a big tension build sure. up for it. Um, and then, the, just to tie in death, uh, I—that's uh, how I was when I was a kid. So my hmm. grand—when my when my, uh, when my grandma died, I was in the—we were in the room with her. She died of cancer. She mm-hmm. she she stopped doing chemo. Uh, she just she couldn't. She did one round of chemo. It, it cooked, kicked crap out of her. Um, she stopped eating. She just wanted to go. She didn't want to suffer anymore. Right. She just died. Anyway, we were all in the um, we were all in the room with her when she passed away. And I was sitting there. And I, I'm I'm not really very emotional when it comes to to death. How old were you, by the way? at this point i was like 22 i was older i wasn't a kid but this happened when i was younger too but i didn't really realize how great it was until everyone was sad they were all looking at her they're all around her and my brother who's like i've got two brothers and he's honestly the funniest guy i know Mm. It was my brother adam and he uh he just walked up to me beside me i didn't even know he was there and he just went grandma's dead you know remember when grandma died <laughs> we were over her body like it was the funniest thing so it's just like that's yeah. how i learned to deal with death sure was was that kind of thing and uh, yeah because i i when i was a kid I had, uh, I had a cousin that died and i remember at his funeral seeing everyone crying and mm-hmm. then i remember trying to cry and nothing happened and mm-hmm. i was like six years old oh, boy. but i remember trying to emulate what i was seeing um, mm-hmm. And it just wasn't working. And I think he came up to me at that point, too. And I look back on it. He's like, hey, Jeff's dead. Remember? Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just that that release of tension, yeah. that release of tension, I thought uh, it's just so great. And it, it does a lot. And people don't uh, don't acknowledge how great that is.
1: No, it's true. It's it's it that's. And again, that's kind of the again, it's a weird sort of segue. But yeah. why we do this podcast is because it's people love to laugh. Oh, yeah. And the tension behind death and the thing that people worry about it and think about things. It's like, you know, we're trying to like make it not bad. And
2: well, because it, it can be so sad. That's exactly yes, the same absolutely. reason. It can be so funny yes death is hilarious yes it's, it's absolutely cool. hilarious like you can have the same yeah. spectrum if of you things. can step back from it and see the absurdity from it it's amazing
0: but you have to be willing to look at it it's it's the same as uh so we were watching a your mom's house episode the yeah. other day and uh tom Segura was showing ari shafir i'm tom, just kidding <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of those horrific videos <laughs> that but because it was the public version it's yeah. off screen you can't see what's going on right. You're just watching sp- oh, ah, mm, yeah. mm, oh my god and and your brain's going, what could this thing possibly yeah. be? And honestly, like the conversations around death really are the same thing. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you actually look at it, no matter how bad your brain thinks it is, and, and it can it can still be really bad oh, yeah. in real life. But your brain's always going to make it seem like it's way worse if you're trying to not look, if you're trying to hide from it. So if you have the conversations, then that's where you can release mm-hmm. the tension, have the jokes, yeah. you know, stare it in the eye and be like, oh, okay, well. That that was that wasn't as bad as I thought, you know. Yeah. And especially yeah. if you can do it before you have to be face to face with it for real, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Well, that, that was the nice
2: thing about being a paramedic was that we were all a little bit dark. Yes. And, oh. and, and, and honestly, so they're the so ER. funny. Oh yeah, nurse <laughs> like, humor is they're like so the funny. Worst. They're so funny. The the, the 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 paramedics I know they're so funny. And uh, and it would be like a tension breaking out like we would be like, who can say the, the yeah. worst thing yeah. here? Mm-hmm. And it was like talking to comics, like it was so fun. Oh, just right. be like, I who mean, can be terrible?
0: God here? help most healthcare professionals yeah. if the public could actually hear the jokes that we yeah, make. Yeah, like you, you can. You and look somber,
2: but then with the ambulance, you close the door, and totally. then it just goes nuts. And, and
0: we're not, we're not trying to be assholes. We're really not. Like if anybody's listening to this, one, oh my god, you're all inhuman if you're making jokes. That's truly mm-hmm. not yeah. it. You know, it, you have really, to go back to work. You have yeah. yes, yeah. you have to. You know. Put the blanket over the, the teenager's face that got hit by the car and then walk into the next room and check the blood pressure on the person who probably doesn't actually need to be there yeah. and still smile at them. Yeah. You know, so what else are you going to do if you can't find some way to get rid of that energy? Yeah.
2: It's rare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that you can do that. Actually, our, uh, to bring Drew back for a second, my, yeah, <laughs> this is bad to say, but his, uh, his little um, celebration of life. Yes, I uh, couldn't make it too, yeah. unfortunately. But, but yeah, <laughs> honestly, it was like one of the funnest times I've I had bet. this year. I bet people were I mean, roasting him best... probably, right? No, no, i oh, roasting him. The comics separated themselves. Because oh. we're like, we can't be part of this. Like, we are oh, snickering. Funny, yeah. We just need to walk away and check. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we just used that. And we just kept saying terrible things to each other. We should be like, you know, the last thing Drew told me? And then we just like shit on each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he just like wanted to know like he hated you. Yeah, exactly.
0: But, you know, I really again, there's going to be wildly differing opinions on this out in the world. But I I think it's a really beautiful thing. I am not saying people shouldn't grieve with tears and pain. And and that is very real as well. But there is something really genuinely beautiful that being able to look at someone who's died, look back at their life, at their presence in your life and be like, fuck, that was funny that time that whatever, you know, it keeps them human. They don't turn into some sort of sainted ghost. No. I, you know, it's, yeah. and it's not for everybody. I fully acknowledge that. But yeah. I really think that, that if, that's, if that's a perspective that you can manage to take, that is, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, uh, anything else about comedy aside, I think that's a really cool thing about, no. about comedy mm-hmm. is that inherent high school prankish irreverence mm-hmm. that most comedians can bring to things.
2: Yeah. That, that's not common though. I remember when no. I started comedy and I went down to... When I did, went down to Kelowna for like the first time, and I started hanging with comics, I was like, "Oh, this is like these are my people." Like, <laughs> it it was I'd never experienced it before, mm-hmm. and uh and yeah, like it was it was amazing, and they're all irreverent, they're
1: all but they they're all smart about it. Oh yeah, you know it's yeah. just you have to be smart about it, and
2: yeah, and it was always interesting.
1: Well, and I I, I about Drew too. I'd never seen the guy in a bad mood. No, it was always and if you were not feeling something you could be like hey man what's is everything okay like you know what i mean yeah. like he'd be i've seen him do that to other comics yeah like headliners that were in everything cool and he would have loved the fact that that would like I mean at his expense yeah. at a funeral oh no he, he would, would have loved thought, it yeah. i remember him at it was three years ago at um the uh Kamloops comedy festival there was a comedian that went up and he had drew had this big smile on his face and he, he was i was like what what's uh, what's up why are, you, why are you smiling so much? And he goes, oh, that guy's going up and he's going to do some jokes about... And it was like there was a horrific accident that had been in the uh, news. It mm-hmm. was the Humboldt bus oh. crash. And he, I'm like, what? And you he's like... that tightrope? Yeah, well, yeah, but they were... And they, they didn't work. Oh, but no. Drew knew <laughs> that was going to happen. Yeah. And he's like... But also, you'd think as a guy that was like in the promoter of the show, mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, this might go terrible. Yeah. And it actually will go terrible. But he knew that it was like comedians have sort of autonomy over themselves yeah. they're responsible for the things that they say and he was going to be like well if he makes it work it'll be funny because i understand there's nothing that's too yeah you know there's like a i heard, I heard another comedian say a thing um nick mullen had this joke about uh roger rabbit have you ever seen the movie roger yeah. rabbit so and there was the one scene he's attached to the uh, detective with the handcuff and he's trying to get out of it and they finally he find the detective finds a hacksaw and he says He's hacking through it and Roger Rabbit just slips out of the handcuff and he like is staring at him face on and the, the the guy was like, what? You could get out the whole time? And he's like, why didn't you get out? And he goes, well, because it wasn't funny then, <laughs> right? And it's just, and he's, this Nick Mullen was like, I heard that when I was 10 and I realized that flipped in my, a switch in my head to yeah. be like, oh, anything can be funny. Anything can be funny. If you, if it's done the right way mm-hmm. a little bit, like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, you know, it's, you know, they used to say that. You know, time plus tragedy equals comedy, yeah. or whatever that's the formula. Mm-hmm. But time's relative. No, tragedy true. plus work
2: equals funny. <laughs> that's true.
1: <laughs> well, it's actually really funny too. The funny parallels of your—I mean, looking from a guy out where I've—I've I've been one of those people where the, the medical industry. I'm like, I couldn't—I couldn't be a paramedic. I could—I right. lived with a paramedic, and I knew this. And he had—he's—he's he's gone on leave three times for PTSD. Yeah, I think he's finally retired. But that's a good idea. And he, uh, <laughs> but I mean, people. I, it's like I, a, punch. I it's like a like, punch card. Right. Yeah, three times <laughs> yeah, and then you're out. Yeah. <laughs> you get to hang out and relax after that. Well, yeah, he's doing that now. But, I mean, the funny, the interesting thing was, uh, it was like, I remember being like, oh, I don't want to look at death. I don't want to look at carnage or whatever. And the interesting thing is, you're doing the thing now that it's actually people are usually more afraid of than death or just as equal, which is mm-hmm. public speaking, right? Yeah. That's an old thing where they're like, and you've said it before, and you're like, I don't... You know, because a weird way you didn't have to face it or maybe compartmentalized it Mm -hmm. a little. Whereas comedy, there's if you're going to do stand up, it's in your face. Yeah. You can't avoid it. Yeah. The the reason I actually
2: did comedy was because I had such a good um, grasp of death. And Mm. so I knew that I wasn't going to die on stage. The Worst case scenario is it's going to be not funny for probably about five minutes. Mm. And then I'm just going to get off. And everything's gonna be okay. Oh, I'm gonna hate mm-hmm. myself for a little bit, but you know, I'm not gonna die. And so, well, right. why not just try to be funny and maybe it can go well. You know, worst case scenario is I don't die, right? So right. let's just try it out. I'd rather do comedy than wingsuit, wingsuiting, whatever.
0: So that is a perfect button. Okay. We're going to pause right there because okay. we have to go do a comedy show. Yes. You guys have to go do a comedy yeah. show. And then we're going to come back and we're going to hear all about your whiteboard cuz I'm drooling looking over this list of stuff that you've got sitting here at your feet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't
2: looked at it
3: yet.
0: All
1: no, right, but we have we here. have we have a lot of questions for okay, you so good. but uh yeah, we'll be back. Yeah. You, uh, maybe we'll dissect the show and it might be the death of us too. Yeah. <laughs> <The> <laughs> death right. of comedy.
0: Okay, so we're back, jumping back in with part two. Uh, We're gonna regroup, refocus. We've done the show, we've gotten, we've shaken the death comedy out of our systems for now. (laughs) Absolutely.
2: I'm ready to talk about death now.
0: (laughs) Okay, so when we arrived, I would like to make note, Andrew had described the whiteboard that's in this room earlier, but I would like to make note that Sam had compressed that into a single sheet of notes. That is, A, possibly the smallest writing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got
2: to figure out how to do that one. (laughs)
0: And B, extremely comprehensive, possibly intimidatingly so. I sent him a very short list of like, hey, these are some questions maybe we could talk about. I feel like he's gone way beyond that. So I would like to ask you do you want to talk? details of death like physically do you want to talk philosophy of death like where would you like to go with this conversation
2: uh, i'm happy to do whatever honestly i, I yeah th- those questions really unlocked something in me i'm like oh i like this probably too much uh, <laughs> but uh, no i mean I, I love the philosophy of it uh, just because I, I grew up pretty religious yeah but also an atheist yeah. and so death is always like this certain uncertainty mm-hmm. and i always loved and then uh, yeah i love the philosophy of death
0: Okay, so let's, t- let's talk about that. Let's talk about how your religious background influenced your perceptions of death. Let's talk about how shifting away from religion, maybe adjusted that. Let's talk about how having kids change things. Where do you want to start?
2: Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, yeah, because I we start with uh, Mormon. I mean, I grew up Mormon, so... Uh... I mean, we believe that you know there's there's. it's not necessarily heaven there's three different celestial kingdoms you can get to at a certain point you're judged and you're you you know if you're really great you get to go to the top one and that I think that your god's there the next one you know it's another one I, I i really didn't learn too much about it other than there's these three celestial the celestial kingdoms uh, that you get to which i always thought was interesting like how did you know this much information about it you know we mm-hmm. had there's the book of mormon but there's really not much in it And so you really just rely on like Joseph Smith and everything. So as a kid, it just didn't make sense to me. And I I quickly became an atheist and then, uh, and I was okay. I was okay with like death and then Mm -hmm. not knowing. Mm -hmm. And uh, my my family didn't like that. I was okay with that. And that was a whole thing with them. But uh, yeah, I just think that whatever someone thinks about death kind of is really interesting. It says something about them. Right. I always like to hear what people think about themselves, like what they think is going to happen. I don't care about, Pushing my own beliefs on him, but I was like, what you, what's going on with you? Yeah. What do you think's happening?
0: Okay. So what do you think is going to happen at this point in your life? What, what's your, what's your personal take on it?
2: Uh, I'm excited. Like, I'm, I'm like way too excited because it's this.
0: Like, are we talking suicide watching? No, excited? no,
2: no, no, no. Like excited in the sense that like, it's going to happen one day, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so might as well be excited about this thing that no one can really ever experience and then explain right I, there's a few things like like drugs you can't really understand drugs you can't have someone explain to you what drugs is until mm-hmm. you do them mm-hmm. and then you go oh it's, it's completely not what i thought but you can say that But when it comes to death the only ones that know are gone right which is so wild to me right and uh, actually when my when my grandfather died my dad called me i was working and uh i was working in the ambulance and my dad called me he's like oh, my dad passed away or your grandpa died." And I, I was like, oh, like, he gets to know now. Like, my right. dad's very Mormon. I'm very atheist. But, like, we got to connect on this level. And uh, and I said, he gets to know. And then my dad was like, yeah, he gets to know that I'm right. Which is <laughs> <was> so funny. <laughs> like, amazing. even if his dad just died, and he was just like, by the way, I'm still right. <laughs> like, it's just so funny.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I was, I mean, I also came from a religious background, too. And it's something that kind of stuck with me. I don't remember who said it, but it was sort of like, you know, be suspect of the people that know mm-hmm. and say that they know and mm-hmm. have the reasons and the things of what you're supposed to do about death because no, it's an unknowable, It's an unanswerable question in this reality. Yeah. Right. And so that's, so it's funny that you're, and I guess the thing that I don't know, my, my thing I've said before is that when it what happens when you die, the thing that I've connected with most is someone saying none of my business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's kind of funny yeah. and also true. Right. It's like it's like, oh yeah, you don't really But anyway. if
0: we were supposed to know. We would know.
1: Yeah. I I also really like the idea that
2: I don't know. And so to to, to claim that I know or anything like that, like it makes me not knowing makes me enjoy this life more than if right. I than if there was a heaven, and then I go, oh, I'll always have heaven. You know, yeah, it's like right. no. What if you don't? Yeah. You could be wrong. Right. You know, what's what's now? People that's actually focus on right now.
0: That's exactly the next question I was going to ask oh. you because that has come up multiple times in conversations we've had so far, and I'm sure it will come up again yeah. and again and again. Is you know we're so afraid of talking about mm-hmm. death because we're like, oh God, it's going to be over. Damn, that sucks. You know going to be sad or it's gonna be painful or whatever it is hopefully but, but really <laughs> but really the thing is is if you can look at that and be like that is going to happen 100
2: it it's gonna happen it brings
0: you back into life yeah okay well first mm. okay it's gonna be done i'm 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 shit out of luck at the end of this yeah so what am i doing with right now because i'm racing towards that yeah you know yeah so i was gonna i was i was curious whether or not you know given that um, you seem to have acclimatized to uh, an acceptance of death you yeah. know fairly early on from the sounds of things. V- way too early. Do you feel probably. like you've moved through life more acutely aware of life because of that?
2: Uh no. That just happened recently. I was actually uh I had a very low, if not any self preservation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that's why I joined the army with no issue. When that didn't work out, I found the next crazy thing, and that was a paramedic, mm-hmm. and uh, had my fair share of death scares with that, and that, that got that out of my system a little bit, and uh, just honestly getting to the point where, like, dealing with, it wasn't until I really dealt with PTSD that uh, that I almost, like, really relaxed into that and really got to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once I really sat in my, like when I, my depression got really bad and, and to the point where I was like hoping I would die every day, mm-hmm. I had kids at that point. So I didn't, I didn't actually want to, I did want to die, but I couldn't, I wasn't going to kill myself. Right. I knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I was like everyday wishing for cancer or maybe my tire blows off while I'm going over a bridge something or something beyond, beyond my control. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so once I kind of sat in that, yeah I, I i always appreciated death but it wasn't until i, I came remember who was it, I i not or who it is maybe you know who it is you seem like a person that would know oh. um andrew but uh uh there's this there's this line that i i heard that was great and it said uh everyone is it every, everyone has two lives to live and uh your second begins when you realize you only have one mm. and so that was huge for me I like i've heard that before that's great yeah i can't remember yeah. who, who was I think that
1: was I. that was a quote I did. It was you. I, yeah, I thought I thought it was, was you. No, yeah. it wasn't me. But I was like, it's, it's either Nietzsche or was Andrew Verge. <laughs> that's that's interesting. I haven't heard that either. Yeah, no. So,
2: so the idea that like, yeah, you could as soon as you go, oh, like they're literally you're gonna die one day, and so everyone's you know trying to figure out what they're gonna do with their life, and oh, they have to do that and taxes and the house and all these things that we're supposed to have, mm-hmm. but as soon as you realize like, no, you're gonna die and that's it.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: like, what do you want to do? And so since that happened. I got more free and I don't know, I just really enjoy life more. And now I actually get to, before I was just like, oh, can't wait for death. Now I just go, oh, I want to, I wanna like stretch this out as long as possible, mm-hmm. you know? And then like, let, and then, and then when it's all done, then I get to experience it. That sounds great. And then I also heard maybe to the grapevine that you might have a DMT release when you die, which oh, I'm really excited. Yeah. So yeah. I'm never gonna do DMT cause I'm sure. hoping to my first trip to be when I die. Interesting. Yeah. Cool.
0: <laughs> So two questions pop up for me out of that. One, I'd love to hear more about these death scares you're talking about, okay. uh, what that what you're referring to there. And two, what is it about working through your PTSD that allowed you to relax, as you say, around the concept of death? How what would, how did that switch over for you?
2: So when I had PTSD, I was basically already dead. Like to me, it was like it was a it was a death in a sense that I, I completely lost myself. You know, a lot of stuff came with that. I lost my career, lost my wife, lost my family. Everything just went to zero, and I went, okay, yeah, you could kill yourself, and then it'd be over, or just go, just just let's pretend that you died, and now this is the next life. Okay. So you know, what do you want to do? And so that that was a whole big sort of freedom push for me, and and uh, yeah, it helped me get better actually. So I was like, okay, well, what do I need to do to do what I want to do? And part of it's getting better for PTSD, and that's dealing with the issues and getting the right treatment and doing the medication. And And it was hard, mm-hmm. you know? And that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done was getting over that. And my, mm-hmm. my counselor told me it was going to be like training for the Olympics or a marathon, and she was totally right. It was mm-hmm. hardest. It was so hard. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I was already dead, so it's fine.
0: What a fascinating way to look at it. That's uh, I feel like that's really unique, but that powerful like a really Mm -hmm. you know it's all in the framing perspective is everything right and what an interesting way to to frame that yeah i i want to eventually have us do an episode about being dead without being dead thinking more specifically about like dementia and and other other things along that line but I, i hadn't really thought about something like ptsd as being dead without being dead yeah
2: Mm-hmm. oh it was all consuming right like i, I, I couldn't can't sleep even imagine. Uh, i can't even. I imagine. wasn't i was a shell
1: of a human i wasn't myself at all like i completely lost myself so i basically died like uh yeah so well it's interesting because you know there's some things about that i've read about i mean for my own life about religion just about afterlife and just but also how it, some things were taken out of context the things that jesus said right you know like about Who? Oh, oh, Jesus Uh, Christ. Oh, Jesus the Christ. Of Nazareth. Sorry. There's a couple, but he lived there or from there. But he, (laughs) no, about when it comes to like the the things that are sort of taken out of context as afterlife insurance with heaven and hell, Mm -hmm. sort of, instead of being like he was talking about sometimes, you know, heaven being, kingdom of heaven being here or hell being, and I can see how PTSD is, you know, because people think of like hell. In the religious sense, sometimes it's like it's never ending torture forever. And I'm sure in those moments, that's kind of what it feels like because you're kind of like, you know, possibly reliving something or having that thing controlling how you live. And so I can see how that would be feel like you're dead. Yeah. Because you're like in a living hell, right? In a, yeah. in a weird way because you have to like be like, oh, I'm still doing this thing, but people don't understand that my brain doesn't it's work. Gone, properly and they're still talking to me like I'm me. Yeah. And I'm completely gone. Yeah. Uh,
2: and actually, the only thing that, so what I, what I realized um, was that, I, so do, getting depression and then my my was getting depression at a uh, very young age, not really realizing I had it, and then PTSD, and then getting diagnosed as like severe PTSD with uh, major depressive disorder, mm-hmm. and they got me to fill out all these forms to be able to diagnose me with that, and I just remember being like, wait, is like no one feel like this like this is a normal day for me. like i you know mm-hmm. it was like do you feel like dying or whatever and i was like yeah but is this that's not a change like that that stuff really wasn't different maybe more extreme but like i looking at like what the options were i was mm-hmm. definitely in the middle my whole life mm-hmm. and so i was like oh I, yeah i have had depression my whole life and so and, the, and then i found out that it was a very big my my whole family had it, it a very big uh, um What was it called when it goes through your family camp? The hereditary. It was a hereditary depression, um, Mm -hmm. which is pretty clear cut in my family. And so I realized that my dad never really did. And he was incredibly depressed. And he always wanted to die. And uh, very, very vocal about it. Even even though he didn't think we could hear him. But I was like, oh, if I kill myself, my daughters are going to be the exact same position I was when I was a kid. So either I can figure this out and then teach them how to deal with this, what I've learned to be an amazing superpower, Mm -hmm. this depression thing. It's like, I think it's a very important thing that I don't want to let go of now. I don't want to get rid of it. And so I want to show them how to harness that and like what the powers of it are. Cause everyone tries to be like, you have depression, stifle it, you know, Mm -hmm. get rid of it. And to a point that's good if it's really bad, but if you can get a hold on it, man, it's, it's uh, it's great
0: so tell us about the superpower what is yeah, that
1: i'm curious about that
2: um so i was doing some so i have figured out this whole depression where does depression come from and it had to have been around especially when you look at hereditary which is a normal it's a it's a common thing it had to have come some, from somewhere anxiety anxiety was a is a developed thing to, for safety for mm-hmm. keeping us alive right mm-hmm. it's now it's not really as as uh, applicable because you're know we're not gonna tra- trace by tigers or anything like that mm. anymore. but it, it came from a survival instinct right yeah. so so whatever this depression thing is kept me alive and so I've been looking into it and they find that uh um, people from like coming from atrocities and stuff like that who are uh, they tend to have the a, a more more of a dark sense of humor mm. uh, and they're very they're able to handle loss and death and everything so I think that it comes down to um, being able to move past trauma you know and, and then you have like an instilled an instilled uh, depression and, and the way i think that is this is a theory that i've come up with that's made me understand my own depression but um they have this uh you heard the hero gene uh, i've like, heard reference so, i really
0: don't know much so about. so it's it.
2: like this the alcoholic gene is mm-hmm. comes from a long line of 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 atrocities and genocide and everything like that and so they can actually trace back these people who have like legitimate Like if you know, like when they go, oh, my dad, like I I cannot touch alcohol. My dad has horrible uh, Mm -hmm. alcoholism, his father or mother, whatever. And it traces back. They trace it back to like a a genocide. And so they found that these people are actually more likely to run towards a terrible thing. Uh, And then so with that comes with, you know, because they can survive that because other people are running away from it. And then, you know, with genocide, they die. But the people who fought against that, uh, had this instinctual nature to run towards almost certain death for the betterment of their society, mm-hmm. so they almost give themselves up. And the ones that survived, they almost had this uh, alcoholic gene mm-hmm. that kind of traced with them through their family.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So to think that you have alcoholism as a bad thing, like yeah, now it sucks. You know, it's not a good. It's it's something to get a hold of, obviously. But it came from uh, there's a reason. You know, not necessarily a bad so, reason.
1: So it's almost like it's genetically coded, yeah, through our ancestry you know, that's kind of something that people have talked about yeah. a lot to, to be like, you know, whether they're, you know, quote unquote real or not yeah. past lives yeah. are a thing that we live through our genetic code. Right. Yeah. Which there's something about, you know, there's a lot of things about, we, we've talked, I've talked about this before too, where like, you know, you have a dog, I have dogs, they do things instinctually mm-hmm. that are like, you didn't teach them and they have no idea where they're do why they're doing them. No. Right. And they, they do serve a, they did serve a purpose at one point, you know, doing a circle before you lie down. Like that's one thing they do. Right. Like flatten the grass. Yeah, exactly. That is our carpet. Yeah. There has to be a reason for these things. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so as
2: soon as I shifted my mind, I was like, Oh, like instead of I can go like, Oh, I have depression. I've had depression my whole life. Or it's just like, honestly I probably wouldn't be not to say I'm funny, but like I probably wouldn't be as funny as I no, am. You're right. You know, I wouldn't be able to look at a morbid thing and then find it hilarious, you know, which is, a—I a mm-hmm. think it's a good quality to be able to handle stress and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. So if I, if I reframe it and go I'll teach my daughters at least to go, this is a superpower. Mm -hmm. you have to harness it and it's like spider-man you know the whole like with great power comes great responsibility Mm -hmm. and that stuff and then he's also in turmoil of this this Mm -hmm. responsibility he has with this whole thing if i look at a depression like that it's like yeah that's how i feel i feel torn where i like i love the abilities it gave me but i i kind of hate dealing with it so if Mm -hmm. i learn how to deal with it properly and and enjoy the um the
1: benefits of it i can teach
2: my daughters how to how to deal with that
1: funny that's that's kind of why i think people find and myself maybe not just people but myself i find like coming from a religious background where I actually do find there's things about Buddhism I like mm-hmm. where like there's the four noble truths of life and like the first one is like suffering is inevitable. To be human is suffering and suffering is inevitable, right? Yeah. That's the first thing. And like I've heard like Buddhist teachers that teach meditation or whatever, they're like, cause they're like, oh, I want to get enlightened and do these things and then the good teachers would be like, just so you know, it's completely hopeless. <laughs> just so you know that. Yeah. And they're like, you're not going to but there's a freedom in that. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a freedom, right? Some people you get, get sucked into it, but yeah, because then you're not like because if you're clinging to hope mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself for an expectation, which an expectation leads to suffering, which yeah. is part of the one of the noble truths, right? Yeah. And so, hopeless doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that you like just do nothing and sit there, but mm-hmm. you know, but it's it there is something. I can see what you're saying there's about freeing. that. The, it, there's a power in, the in that, right? yeah. mm. It's freeing. So it's not even necessarily, that's the thing. So maybe what you're saying is like, again, it's about context. It's like what you're talking about when you say depression yeah. is maybe just what you could call something where you, I, I, I guess, being stuck in something.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's the difference between pain and suffering, right? Pain yeah. is yes. pain. It's just a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then suffering is the the fighting against it and the wishing it wasn't there and, mm-hmm. the, and the, all those things that we pile on ourselves yeah. see this is why this is why I love this shit because people are forever popping up variations on perspectives like things that maybe my brain had kind of gone there and then they've like they've refined it or they've gone a little bit further or whatever I'm like oh yeah makes mm-hmm. so much and and you know it, it all I mean, you, you could be talking depression. You could be talking, you know, religion. You could be talking uh, abusive relationships. You could be talking death. Like, uh, the, it's so fascinating how these sorts of perspective approaches to things really are applicable across yeah. the board. Cause it's the same thing with death. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, if, yeah, okay, death is death. Death might suck. Who mm-hmm. knows? Who knows? But it's the like, freaking out about it and trying to avoid Mm -hmm. it and pretending it's not there and 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 you know uh shoving it under the rug and all of those that's what makes death something that people suffer over
2: Oh, you suffer forever i have a friend that uh a friend or she's my ex my ex's uh niece i guess never really religious but then they had a kid and she started being terrified that she didn't know what was going to happen Mm -hmm. so her solution with that was becoming a catholic and going oh. to church and just going, well, they'll they'll tell me what happens at the end, and then she finds solace in that. And that, if you finds solace in that. That's great. But I, I find solace in in the fact that there's the unknown and uh, yeah, and the infinite abyss of death, <laughs> and
1: uh, and what it's going to be like. And I really hope it's slow or painful. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is that actually, you know, it's it's. Inter- I know what you're saying and what you're. Up- the interesting thing, a quote that I've heard and I've repeated on this podcast before, depends on when those episodes come out, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> is that I think it's because honestly what you said is, you know, looking forward to death, but also kind of embracing that, but also in that you learn life yeah. and, or you want to experience life. And mm-hmm. a quote that I heard from Ramdas was, was, as you hold the, the goal for your life, what you're supposed to do, the one of the secrets of life is to learn to hold on tightly, but then let go lightly. Right. And so, like, through that, there's a book we just got. we actually, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, at one point or come up. But it's, somebody wanted to read, we, it was the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, apparently, one of the, the, the sum up of it is to be, like, preparing your body to be, like, accept death mm-hmm. through this life. Mm-hmm. So the whole purpose of this life is actually preparing yourself to die. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. like, your and that's that's part of what the book is. And that was actually the only reason that, that they how I found out about that book was through uh, same person through Ram Dass where he mm-hmm. that's the first thing that they grabbed with psychedelics. That was the same that was the only thing that actually kind of like could put into words the experience they had. Yeah. Experimenting with psychedelics mm-hmm. was being like there's nobody has any answers for this because that's sort of what it felt like to you, them. You felt can't like understand
2: death, it. Right. You can't understand it. No. It's an unknown. It's
0: no. It's right? one of those things you know it's it's
2: that you shouldn't Accelerate, by the way. I want to add that. I'm not just like being like, death is great. You no, should no, totally no. lean into No, I, I know what, you no, I know but, what you're saying. But, That's yeah, what but I'm the saying. That's what
0: I mean about it. let go yeah. lightly. Yeah. And, and, and you can lean into the concept of it, right? Yeah. Um, because the thing is, is, you know, my my personal thought on on the idea of death, you know, the death process from a psychological perspective or, or the actual death experience once you are dead, yeah. is it, it must be something so far beyond our ability to comprehend it that we can't even comprehend what the structure that we can't comprehend would be. So just stop trying. <laughs> just yeah. Stop worrying about the, it.
2: The really cool thing is like all of the I've had a lot of uh, like terminally ill patients either bringing mm-hmm. them to hospice or, 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 or wherever you know and it's really interesting the fact that like I, I've never met a terminally ill patient that was terrified of death. Mm. And so, right. and their whole family was terrified of them right. dying. Yeah. And so, it's interesting, like, oh, but the person that's dying isn't scared. So why? can't How can we get there before we're terminal? Mm-hmm. So we're not so scared of it. So we're so we not so we're not so scared of it uh, mm. through our life. So we we can enjoy the life, and 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 also once it comes, experience not enjoy the death, but experience. You're you're only going to experience it once. Mm-hmm you know like mm-hmm. let's see what this is like let's see
1: what it is yeah is that what you think you think this is you get one one done you get to go to death and then nothing else oh if if you, if if that's not the case that's great but yeah. uh this is as much as we
2: know right now so true. enjoy it now yeah, yeah. and uh well yeah.
0: and, i mean even if you do get to go through it more than once you don't get to remember that's true so it's it's yeah. still it's still your one time as far as you're concerned exactly yeah. that's
1: the one thing that i'm kind of playing with now too and i've to talked to this about uh, one of our comedian friends too Is is to be like it's kind of fun. Like, even though if you can't know and let's just say we, even you know, there's a lot of Buddhist teachers and things that have said, we've done this thousands of times and they do a parable of being like, how many times have we been, we've re- been re we've been reincarnated yeah. master. And they'll be like, imagine a bird flying over a, a mountain that end with a silk scarf in its beak. And once, uh, once a year it flies over and, and drapes the top of the mountain. And, once that mountain has eroded down to nothing, that's how many times you've been living this life. Like they give this like unknowable parable. Yeah. It seems like infinity. And, but I'm saying, well, the, even if that's the true, the magic of that is that is forgetting things. Yeah. You know, cause mm-hmm. I've actually had for myself, I've had some like, and I, I've, I've told this to Amanda and my other friends too. It's like I've had these really profound psychedelic experiences mm-hmm. and different things in my life where I've been like, or just like real sort of like things that feel like truth. And be like, Holy wow, Yeah, my life is different from this point on. Yeah, And somehow there's a slippery Teflon built into something that's in our consciousness that makes you forget these things. Mm-hmm. And and it's really strange because you look back and you're like, oh yeah, that's where I was. And that's sometimes, I think that's like what sometimes depression can be, right? Sometimes you're like, oh, I wish I was there. Well, I used to feel this way or whatever. And I think part of it is cultivating being like the, the witness to those mm-hmm. feelings, too, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, which is again about perspective, like something you guys have probably dealt with. How many times have you heard people say, I, I can't bear the pain, you know? Or like, if someone's like, if they're like, oh, this pain is unbearable, I mean, you probably heard it more in the ER than you 11 have. out of 10. Yeah, yeah like, 11, oh, yeah. 11, 11, 11 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> at least 30 it's out of 10. At least 30 out of 10. As yeah. I'm here on my phone. <laughs> but even if, so that if <laughs> they know, are like actually 20, in pain, 10 pain 10 though. No. But let's just say, even if they are in, in excruciating pain and they're just doing, they're like, I can't bear it. Uh, it's too, much. and then it's too much. But there they are, yeah, bearing, bearing it. it. Mm-hmm. It's A, all perspective. Alive, it's right? all perspective. Yeah. I Just mean, like, yeah, it's
0: the exact, the exact same thing. I, I can't even tell you how many people over the years I have triaged who are like, I can't move my arm this way because of whatever's wrong. As they're flapping their arm, the very way they're telling me they, they can't, can't do it, it. Yeah. or I can't walk right now. I'm in so much pain. As they walk into my triage, <laughs> yeah, well. I'm not saying that there's not something that needs to be dealt with here, but what you're saying is not true. It's just patently not true. You are walking towards me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, can, can we just stop and maybe think about what that means? to your overall story and what what you actually need for care because we're going to be able to direct things way better. It's actually beneficial to you if you are true to what is actually happening yeah. because we can we can focus way better. And and again, that's one of those things I think it applies across the board. Relationships, death, finances, uh, what you enjoy doing with your free time, whatever it is, what you what you need from the doctor at the hospital. If you're actually honest about what's really going on, yeah. you don't need to pad the story and then you'll get what you actually need and you can mm-hmm. move on to the next thing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> totally.
0: So <Soap> box. No,
2: <laughs> I was actually I just wanted to add <laughs> that uh that the mormon the really an uh, interesting thing that I that not necessarily believe, but I I've always loved the idea of the Mormons they believe that uh the Latter Day Saints, whatever you want to say, I don't know if the Mormons listening is Is that colob. Yeah, I <laughs> no, sa- I honestly uh,
0: somehow doubt that strong religious groups will listen I, to this at all.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I, I really love the idea that they ha- they have this idea that so you have this you have this spirit, and then you come to Earth to get a physical mortal body, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then and then when you then you die, and then you have this body that goes wherever. But th- this idea that when you are the spirit that comes into the Earth, you a veil is put over top of you. So you don't mm-hmm. have any concept of mm-hmm. what it was before, mm-hmm. yeah. and then when you die, the veil is lifted. Mm-hmm. So then you get all of the memories back mm-hmm. from before, during Earth, and then after, uh, which I always thought was interesting. And, and, and then so so it's uh it's really interesting to think that like there's always looked at babies, uh, like 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 you know new life, and then death is a sort of a similar thing where like mm-hmm. they're they're on they're both touching this. Mm-hmm. this the unknown edge of yeah. something right and uh yeah i just think that's so interesting so so yeah death is terrible and tragic and everything but life is beautiful but why can't they both be beautiful
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's well one podcast that you and i have listened to a lot that we've talked about is uh, pete holmes he oh, yeah. made it weird yeah and he's told the story a couple times about that he had heard it was just whatever it's been a thing about this this uh this uh, couple had a three-year-old yeah as then the baby that, yeah. the yeah. baby that brought in and he's like the what baby. was it like yeah what was it yeah. like i'm starting to forget i'm starting to forget yeah. yeah which is really funny yeah and i i like it as like because again it's just such a i don't know because i don't have kids but you have kids and i'm sure you've seen them and heard them say things that you're like where did you get that from or how did you not even how did you get that but it's just like it's like it's something that you maybe it's either their brains working yeah, and or like, but you can tell they get it from something. Whereas that particular story is so rooted in like an unknown, like mm-hmm. what WTF, you know, like, how yeah, of, that come as from? much as
2: I'm an atheist, I love stories like that yeah. where it's mm-hmm. like I, I, when I was a kid, I think I heard this, but it was like, you know, the stories of, of kids, young kids saying to their mummies like, well, oh, my last mommy had red hair. <laughs> and it's like mm-hmm. oh my god that's amazing you know mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, it's oh, about a trip you know real or not real it's in their mind they they thought it at least you know where would that come mm-hmm. from and mm-hmm. and if it's nothing it's nothing but the, the
1: the joy of thinking it might be something is so interesting right of course yeah that's kind of the is that what do you think drives you towards atheism is because i mean this is something we were talking about on the way here too is that the western culture and this is not me saying this is me regurgitating all the stuff that i hear but there's a lot of uh, the failings of us and in, not just in atheism, but in trying to embrace anything, yeah. is that people wanna know that they know. Yeah. And the fact that you can, and, and the atheism is sort of the opposite of that, because you really wanna, you're sort of rejecting the like, I know that I don't know, therefore yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, I like this thing better. Not that there's anything wrong one way or the other, do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But that's sort of how we, how we built our society. Right. You know, We're sitting in a house that is constructed and not gonna fall over, because we know that we know a lot of things about engineering. Right. <laughs> Whereas the death thing and those other things, people go, ah, whatever. You know, like we, you kind of turn away from something instead of taking like, I think people, not you, I'm saying yeah. people turn away from things because, again, like you said, with religion where they're like, so yeah, there's three places that you could possibly go. Yeah. It's like, well, why not five? Yeah. And like, why is one of them a planet? Oh, do we get... Or I, I, and then, I then know, you get to get your own planet you that you get, get, your get own to create planet, yeah. and all that stuff. But. I honestly, the more, and again, I'm not trying to make this a psychedelic podcast, but you brought it up one time, but it's almost seems like because I've paid attention to a lot of things where there's a lot of, uh, or uh, some podcasts where they're talking about religions and what they're based in, more and more... You know, like you, people in the South America have been doing ayahuasca ceremonies mm-hmm. for, you know, you know 10,000 years or something. Yeah. And it's like it's it's ignorant to think that people weren't doing that other places. Oh, yeah. And, you know, maybe Joseph Smith just found some mushrooms or something because it sounds like a mushroom story. you are like, mm-hmm. OK, so you do this thing and then you do because there's sort of like the veil thing. Yeah. Is like those are pieces of other things that I've heard that are like Buddhist mm-hmm. that he may not have known. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, Why would he incorporate that to be like, I'm going to make up a casserole religion. (laughs) like A little bit of, but also make up my own thing. And, and just, I mean, it's the same thing as like Scientology. It's like, there's like a, there's a science fiction act aspect to that too. Written by a science fiction author, oddly. Right. But uh, anyway. I, I you know, don't consider to, mys- don't, myself an atheist in the sense
2: that like, I'm like, there's nothing after this. So you're it's like agnostic. Like,
1: no, it's not even agnostic. It's yeah. just like, there's no like. Uh, well, you have to I, just by the end of the podcast, you have to decide what religion you are. I right. To I that was yeah, in the question too. You have to fill out your too. motor card. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I'm Jada. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> I'm just going to go
2: well, hardcore at it. i don't like this birthdays. birthday card then. I don't like yeah. birthdays. <laughs> uh, man, we're alienating a lot of people. I know. No, we're not. I know. They're not listening. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You uh, meant you meant Joe Walters. That's what J.W. Is. Yeah, I hate I'm, that guy. Really hardcore Joe Walters. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them out there. It's a common name. So,
0: so it sounds from uh, if I'm getting the timeline correct, like there's a lot of things mixed together here. You know, your your career in paramedicine, de- depression, and kind of you know getting your head around that, and PTSD, and and then in there you you have your children. Mm-hmm. So now. That's a lot to unpack, but specifically in reference to your children, do you feel like your philosophy around death shifted with their presence in your life and or practically did your approach to death shift? Uh, Were you more careful with yourself? Did you put, you know, um, end of life plans in place? Things like that. I'm I'm just curious.
2: Yeah. um, No, I did not put any end of life plans in place, which I totally should do. And I'm listening to your guys' podcast, I'm like, oh yeah, I you'll definitely love the next need- episode. Oh great, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I need to definitely look into this more. Uh, but no, um, I was more cautious, I'd say, because now I, I was when when I was uh, when I joined the army, uh, my thought about that was like, if I die, I'm, I don't have a family. So really, mm-hmm. you know. It's not much of a loss. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I always knew that I, I wouldn't want to be in that sort of position with a family. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want them to worry about me. I don't right. really care about me, but I, I don't want my kids to, to lose that. And uh, and yeah, and I think I owe it to them to take care of myself mm-hmm. and uh, to be around for them. And they're my favorite. Mm-hmm. They're my favorite thing to be around and have fun and, and just watch
1: them grow, and watch them get smarter and stuff like that it blows my mind every mm-hmm. day. And it uh, also made me more jokes, terrified. Your funniest jokes are about your kids and your family and how you, and you can see that because there's pure joy yeah. in like that interaction and that, that you, it's genuine through you. So it bleeds mm-hmm. through on stage. Anyway, I'm trying Thanks. to make about comedy, but I can see how much that is because I don't have kids. Yeah. You know, I have jokes about my dogs, but they're not the same. You know, even you don't, though, I mean, even though we both know dogs and children are the same thing. Yeah. I mean, for me raising them, I mm-hmm. mean, I no, I'm kidding. Yeah. They're the exact same. Yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Totally. No, I mean, but, you can like leave them in a the car and
2: whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Do whatever you want when you <laughs> cut their hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, the only time I've ever been terrified of death uh, was with my daughter. And uh, that was, that was an interesting time. But uh, my, I had a, uh, I never met her. I had an older sister who was the oldest and she passed away when she was six months old.
3: Mm.
2: And so when I had kids and it was like, you know, early mid seventies when this happened, right? So they didn't know what's going on. It was just mm-hmm. crib death at that point. right? And so six months was terrifying to me. And so I remember the first time uh, my daughter stayed in her own bedroom because for a while they're in a bassinet mm-hmm. in, 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 you know, in our bedroom, whatever, mm-hmm. they need a lot of attention. And the first night that I put her in the crib and I closed the door, I was terrified. I I was having a panic attack. I never really had a panic attack at that point, but I just remember like I was sitting in the, I was sitting in the hallway and just terrified. And my wife came up to me and she goes, what's going on? I'm like, she's dead. And I, and I just thought that she was dead, but I didn't want to know. So I didn't want to go in because if she wasn't, then I'm going to wake her up because she's either sleeping or she's dead. And then this is this is morbid to say, but it helped me a mm. lot. But uh, my, my ex uh, said, well, if she's dead, you might as well get some sleep. Mm. You know, if she's dead, it's too late. Mm-hmm. So we might as well have good sleep and we can deal with that in the morning. And that was enough for me to go, okay. And mm. I went to bed thinking my daughter was dead and it was the hardest night. And uh, yeah, it's a really difficult night. Mm. And that was the only time I was ever terrified of death. It was
1: for her. I wonder if that was like, cause I'm just curious because I, I didn't know that you had a daughter. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know you had an Obviously that's the yeah. story that you're just talking about yeah. now. You uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I have three in the car. So in addition to the dogs, but no, the, uh, I was going to say, was that a story that was instilled in you at a young age, like about your sister that you didn't ever meet?
2: Uh, no, it's something like, I held on to. I just heard it and yeah, then it kind of heard came. it. And, and I was always terrified of having kids mm. for that reason, especially when they hit six and then she hit six months and that, I, and I had a hard, hmm. I heard a hard month that month. Interesting. A little, a little bit easier with my second. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that first one, man, I thought she was going to die all the time. Wow.
1: I wonder, Um. one one of the questions that Amanda asked that I'd like to, uh, to uh, touch back on too, that we didn't answer. We went on a tangent, but, what was the uh close encounters with death at work for yourself oh i mean just that you said personally that because you said you're you had a brush with death with work right oh yeah a lot yeah i mean you say that so yeah kind. well you, oh uh, yeah, yeah a lot. Lot. it's okay yeah. i'm yeah. just compartmentalizing you know when the guy comes at you with a machete as they do uh yeah i don't get stabbed once Anyway,
2: there, there's so many, like, honestly, I can't, I can't even like keep track of all the times I almost died. Uh, but, uh, like we were driving on the road. How many car accidents could you almost get into? Like, right. honestly, I think my, my third last shift, I almost t-boned at highway speeds. Jeez. Like it just missed, it just missed us. We were going wow. through a red light and some guy didn't see us and we, and we, and then he was behind a semi truck. And so everyone else has stopped. And so it was enough. And I just had a, had a bad feeling about it. And so I just kept inching forward, inching forward. My partner was like, just go, just go, just go. And I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, we're going. And then as we were going, we looked over and this guy was like, just coming through the intersection. And I gunned, I was driving and I gunned, I hit the gas and we, he just missed the back of us. And so Jeez. if I, if I just kept inching, whatever, he would just plow through my partner. But like that, that, I mean, those quick things, you know, goes away. Um, when I was, I was stupid new person that i was i when i was when i was new i almost died a lot because i was listening to my superiors not superiors in the the sense of like uh, my bosses but like someone had 25 years in you know i wouldn't really question them i almost got well yeah i almost got electrocuted and crushed by a telephone pole Jeez. yeah Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh three months into my service they made a whole uh province-wide policy that they had to send out for electricity sa- uh, electric safety, whatever. Because I almost got electrocuted. Jeez. You're famous. Just,
1: yeah, famous. Yeah. Changed a lot of things. Oh, you're that guy on that poster I saw on the boat station. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, and then and then uh, but I, I was I always and then you're walking up well, so
1: how, what was that story? If that's what how did that happen?
2: Uh, some guy hit a pole. Yeah. And then uh, my partner who was, she had, she was in the service for like 70 years. She mm-hmm. had COPD. She could, she, we all have beds to sleep in at the station. She had to sleep in a chair and you could just hear her lungs just suffering nice. with fluid. That was my partner. Oh, that was my paramedic partner. And uh, she thought it was a telegram
1: line that was down. Right? <laughs> telegraph <yeah>. line. <laughs> yeah, and she
2: just was, parked right know. beside it. And I didn't know enough to know that was a bad idea. And then the, the pole cracked and it fell right right beside our ambulance and I was behind a door. I didn't know where it was going to fall. I just kind of braced for impact at that point. Yeah. And then, and then she was like, Oh, that was inconvenient. And then she went to walk around the ambulance and to jump back in the ambulance, walking like over the electrical lines. And I was like, just, (laughs)
3: Oh my <laughs> like, God. what are you doing wow.
2: <laughs> anyway so she tried to kill herself a lot in that that yeah. day uh but uh but yeah it ended up being okay we just got hunkered down in the ambulance for a while until they cleared the, the cables and stuff yeah. um but no like going up to people's houses you know you don't know what people are, are right. gonna Ooh. do and and we're all wearing blue you know right people are yeah sure you get rational people but a lot of people are going to aren't really rational yeah, you do
1: i uh, you do look like cops yeah instance. we look like cops right yeah. so
2: knocking people's doors and and at least in the army and then uh and stuff like you know you learn when you knock on someone's door, you don't stand in front of it yeah and so you're just waiting for the shotgun blast to go through the door yeah. or whatever right so so it was always looking at that and to kind of make light of the situation i remember always looking at my partner and going i'm like just so you know like if i die here can you just let my wife know i said it wasn't worth it and i just <laughs> thought it was so funny just to be like the last yeah, yeah. thing i said just to be like this wasn't i i did not die a good death <laughs> <That's
3: funny. laughs> don't
2: revere me as a hero yeah <laughs> this could have been absolutely avoidable Yeah, yeah, a lot of things like that. Hmm.
0: So then kind of looking, focusing back in on your work a little bit as a paramedic, only because I suspect people will be curious because, again, I've said this before and I will say it 100,000 times again. It is stunning to me through no fault of their own how little the general public understands about how many of our systems work. Healthcare being a large one of them.
3: <laughs>
1: I still don't understand how it works. Uh, yeah, I know, right? I <laughs> uh, um, you know there's doctors and nurses and stuff. Uh, kind of. You drop them off at emerge, yeah. Not X-ray because yeah. you're like, oh, he's got a broken bone. Let's and then go like to radiology, fixed. they're fixed or something at that point. That yeah, was a nice yeah. thing about being a paramedic. I was like, well, see you later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, which is funny because, you know, being a, an emergency nurse, I always look at it the other way. I'm like, I would not want to be out there knocking mm. on people's doors or being first on scene on an accident, uh, at an accident or something like that. So I would, fun. I would rather that, you know, they're at least like on a bed <laughs> when I see them, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. at least I've got, you know, and, and I've got like a drawer full of tools and a storage room down the way that and I can get help. more stuff if I need And that. help. Yeah.
1: So much help. Yeah. The, yeah. That was the dream. That was the dream call. Probably like someone broke their arm. Or like in a hammock, so you just pull the stretcher up underneath them, and like cut the hammock, and they just kind of like fall onto the stretcher. You don't have to do anything. It's weird to break your leg in a hammock. That's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a dream call. Yeah, this happens in a dream. Yeah, so. a dream. yeah. And he shattered his whole body by climbing into a hammock. <laughs> <He had> osteoporosis. <laughs> so.
0: so I'm going to ask some really banal, like technical questions. So you're right on a call. How how do you know when someone's dead and whether or not you should transfer them to hospital? Or how do you know, like, if they're dying? When do you stop trying to save them? How do you when How do you know when to call a uh, call a code that you're that you're working? How how does that work?
1: Oh, by the way, can I interrupt just one thing before you answer that? Because I will say again, I'm the dummy on the show here. This is always the fun thing. Yeah, this sometimes is that this is the first time there's been a comedian that's also. I mean, Valina was sort of like that too. Cause she worked yeah, in with those dogs. That doesn't count. But I was going to say, uh, uh, this is something. <laughs> Sorry, Valina. That's true. <laughs> she cats. probably doesn't listen to us she either. Doesn't do it either. <laughs> yeah, no, she doesn't. No, she doesn't even. promote She's got this. too much on the <laughs> go. But what I was going to say is, I have to say that something. I hope this doesn't go on a tangent. Please answer the question. I but will. something I've heard both of, from both of you independently in telling a story to me is be like, uh, well, they they I got there, or they brought them in, and these people were. It wasn't, you just didn't say dead or passed away. You guys say, have said super dead yeah there's i wrote a, a joke is, about that yeah, yeah <laughs> super dead is a thing that i've heard amanda say that's and funny yeah we too. all say super dead i wrote a joke about super, super dead, dead is really funny like to me it's funny to be like oh super dead is means like there's no it, more intervention here yeah right no matter how much you want so anyway yeah there's
2: there's uh levels of dead which is that people don't realize there's like freshly dead There's super dead so that sort of will tie into amanda's dead, question dead, which is offensively
1: deceased okay well oh, okay so <laughs> run yeah
0: through that's, those. run through that terminology because we've never addressed that and people will have a clue yeah so that,
1: that would answer the question. Yes. Like, how do you bit, know yeah. when someone's dead? Yeah. yeah so but so
2: yes, well, funny when you talk to like nurses and paramedics, we all we all say like very similar oh, things. Oh, he was super dead, you know, yeah. but you can't say that to to um, to people like mm-hmm. the family. <laughs> I'm sorry. So <laughs> I, I wrote, a, I wrote Honestly, a joke about how, how you can you have to say dead, dying or deceased. Mm-hmm. They they're dead. They've died or they're deceased. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that uh, you can't add it, learn that you can't add any adjectives to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, no. but to each other, we do. Because uh, it really paints a picture. We go, oh, I know exactly what you're talking yep. about. But uh, no, I mean, like, say, like a decapitation is pretty obscenely, like, super dead. Like, it's an obvious dead person. That's obs- that would be obscenely dead, or extremely, yeah. or extreme dead. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or like, um, how long? It... <laughs> so uh, you you probably wouldn't experience this because it's 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 on scene that you're gonna deal with this, but like. In an apartment building. Mm-hmm. So you're not in the room, you're going up the elevator. The elevator door opens and you go, Oh, there's a dead person on this floor. Oh, that's how dead they are. That the oh. whole floor smells mm-hmm. horrendous and mm-hmm. th- no doors are open.
0: I've, I've experienced oh, so variations people... on mm. that with living people yeah. who are soon to be dead.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, mm. a, a big common thing is that uh, I've had a few patients where uh, I don't understand. I'm not smart enough to understand this, but something about the physiology of it, that when you are, oh, some people are dying, they start to feel very cold. So they start turning up their heat. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: And so then they they die. Mm
3: -hmm. And then
2: their heat is blasted. Mm -hmm. And they generally live alone. Oh no. And so then you find them days later when the neighbors start complaining. Mm -hmm. Ah. But then you still have to go and uh, confirm. Mm -hmm. Ah. It's not enough to go, I smelt them from a mile away. Right. They're definitely you know? dead. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. just check the heart. And I I actually, my superpower as a paramedic was uh, I, I didn't have, I don't have, I'm slightly anosmic, so I can't, which means I can't smell very well. Right. Yeah. Um, so I would, my partners wouldn't be able, like, we would do all the tricks, the Vaseline and everything. I never really did any of that because I yeah. can not smell. But uh, I, I have had to go, my partners go, I can't go in there. And I, I wasn't attending, which means you have to be the one that goes and confirms. So yeah, I go in because that was my ability that I could go in and go, yep, hmm. they are very dead. Mm-hmm. And that's all you have to do. You check their heart. But I mean, generally so at that you, point now, you have signs. So like lividity, uh, rigor, or um, there's a bunch of
1: different signs of it. And then you listen to the heart. And so someone like that too, you don't have to do anything at that point. You no. don't have to take them away or no. do anything, right? Right. So that was like the coroner does that? or Yeah. The, yeah okay. The
2: police come in and the then, uh, yeah,
1: then they call the coroner. If it's an an uh,
2: unexpected death. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they have to investigate it. Then they get the coroner. Interesting.
0: So if it's a nearly dead person, you come in, you start running a code. Maybe you get them back once or twice. Maybe you don't. They keep coding on you or or you just can't get them back. Yeah. How do you know when to stop versus take them to the hospital and let them carry on?
2: Uh, So um, this is something we have to teach. We have to tell a lot of a lot especially when you're the attending paramedic or or, or advanced care paramedic whoever you are i just want to clarify that if anyone i'm a primary care i was a primary care paramedic i was not an advanced care paramedic so if someone's in like the u.s um i was basically like an emt
0: oh yeah maybe we should actually if you don't mind just take a moment and and just really quickly define the levels of paramedicine because i guarantee you the public has no clue
2: yeah so the, the i mean the um Every, every place is different. So to kind of in, in BC, we have, you know, more than three levels, but the, 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 ground ambulances usually are, there's EMR, which is emergency medical responder. They don't have much of a scope of practice. They're just, they're there with a can do attitude and some, and some nitrous spray for heart attacks. That's, and that's it. know, <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, and then there's primary care paramedics where we can do IVs. We can give medications, um, we can give fluids and, uh, and, and we have a really good sense of, uh, of. Pharmacology and physiology and, and 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 all that stuff. And there's advanced care paramedics. They have a lot more, um, a lot better training, so they can do um, all the stuff that we can do. And then they have the 12 leads, so they can look at the rhythm of your heart, mm. which is very helpful. Um, there's usually less of them, and you just kind of call them when you need them, and they can come and do that stuff. Mm. They can. Uh, they can cardiovert someone? So if you have a weird arrhythmia, they can cardiovert you and get you back to normal. So they're able to do that. Gotcha. They're able to get. If we can't get IVs, they're able to get um, IOs. They're called intrastheses. Okay. So it's where they drill a needle into your bone, into oh, your boy. generally your 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 shin, oh. and uh, and get you fluid that way. Or, you, or you want
0: to see something crazy? We'll YouTube some videos of, of military personnel oh, doing, no. oh, doing, oh, doing take it, to it to the sternum, doing sternal, sternal IOs to conscious people, conscious people but they have and these you guns. literally just punch oh, a punch, whole handful yeah. of needles yeah. into the bones of the start it's insane yeah it's there's like
2: well 12, oh, we will not be 12 needles those. that do this and then just
3: because
0: <laughs> then the fluid goes right into your bone matrix which then feeds back into your which is your, crazy wow. like uh, understanding
2: vessels. biology and understanding physiology and all that stuff i was like there's no way we're getting a liter of fluid into this bone and then it disappears yes. and you go where did it totally this go does. it's crazy wow. yeah. It, it's mind-boggling it's, I, yeah. it's so fascinating yeah. it's a great job if you can be into it and you can you can mm-hmm. do all the the hard part of it it's it's a very interesting rewarding job which is why they can pay you so little interesting yeah
0: anyway we got sidetracked Sorry. Yeah. so calling a code
2: calling a code uh so yeah i mean if the person looks like they're about to die you generally just lift them like get them going immediately and then get them to the hospital as fast as you can mm-hmm. Whether or not that's meeting with the advanced care paramedics uh, at my level uh, or just gunning to the nearest hospital. Um, if you're in a major city, then it's um, what what is the what's the what's the main problem right now? And what hospital do I have to go to? Um, do I bypass a hospital to go to a specific hospital? Mm. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's that. But then you you asked about like if they're coding on you, right? Like mm. if, if they if they if they if their heart stops
0: yeah let's say they're they're coming in and out or or you know or I don't know somebody else is doing cPR probably very badly when you arrive or yeah. something like that so
2: if, so if their heart stopped and they are dead and it's an active like cPR scene you stay on scene and and a lot of people they would criticize you. They, people are panicking, right? To go, mm-hmm. you need to go to the hospital. Why aren't you going to the hospital? And so part of it is some education. While we're doing CPR, we have like it's funny. Like someone could be dead and then another alive person just go, but I need attention. Is essentially what it is. Mm-hmm. Just, it, which, which, if you look at it in in like a horrendous view of it, all obviously you know there's emotions. They're terrified. It's their loved one. Yeah. You can look at it that way. But essentially is, but I need something right now. You oh, know? but there's
0: not even that. I the first time that I worked in an emergency department and a code came rolling through the door yeah. somebody on the on the stretcher doing CPR tiny department you feel like every, a superhero when you do that everybody can see what's going on there yeah. is no privacy here they, you know just like something out of out of ER on TV oh get him into the bay ah, yeah run two three move over everyone knows what's going on and then someone goes excuse me um the doctor just needs to look at my in-ground toenail <laughs> is that gonna happen sometime soon? And you're like, and you don't, this person doesn't have, they are not related to the person that is currently dead in the trauma bay. They have no excuse. They're just like, um, but I need me to be taken <laughs> care of right now. I thought I was next. <laughs> oh. I have been waiting. That yeah. person just got here. <laughs>
2: like <laughs> No, it's so funny. Like honestly, when you can look insane. how absurd it is, it's so it's funny. I lo- I loved it. And it's so I thought it was that was the funniest thing. No, it's okay. Uh so yeah, if, if you are if you arrive and they are dead, then yeah, you start CPR as long as they, you know, it's not a witnessed arrest without we have a few rules, you know, like a witness arrest. And and then also, let's say you couldn't, you knew that the person was dead, but they were trapped in a car on a cliff and you couldn't get to them, but you knew that they were dead mm-hmm. and it's been a half an hour, uh, you generally, but it, then it, then it comes down to the, can you trust the person that said that they were dead? There's a whole other little thing with that. And, uh, yeah. So basically if you don't know, you start CPR. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that. There's, there's things that would stop us from doing CPR, obviously, like a DNR, but it has to be a do not resuscitate or, or a, a, what's it called now? An M? Most. A most, yeah. Medical uh,
0: order for scope of treatment. Right.
2: And like all I knew was what M3 was. And I'm like, okay, good. Honestly, <laughs> do
0: most makes it so confusing. So
2: confusing, right? You have to read it all. And it's yeah. just like, so, so some so of the Is time- something they would have in their wallet? So no, no, that's the
0: problem. People have them filled out. They don't know that you need to fill, like. have the, it with the paramedics you. paramedics have to be able to see the yeah. paper in order to be able to follow it. Otherwise, you're automatically a full code.
3: Yeah.
2: Interesting. I told I, I, them. get a they, face tattoo. One of the first ones I did. doesn't count. Face tattoo? No, does... faces, face, any tattoos don't count. The
0: document is, is yeah. that's it. That, that's you, sh- you should common have it in your wallet. You should have it in your fridge. You should have it taped but if to you your had, front but door. You but you're not going to. If you ever commit suicide, that's laid actually... on the ground beside you. Suicide doesn't count. Oh really? I didn't yeah. realize
2: that. Yeah, you can't kill yourself for the most. Oh,
0: that sucks. Yeah.
2: Because <laughs> it's, it's an act of it, you you decided on it. it. wasn't it wasn't a terminal expected
1: thing or it is whatever. a terminal expected thing. That's <laughs> I know. the whole point. I know, right? But it's it's more of like a, you decided it I was I actually didn't know that there. Yeah. I learned something. Yeah. But well, that's actually kind of a I, I I could throw a joke for your skit there, Sam. Speaking of suicide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening, <laughs> but, but no <laughs> well, but I honestly be suicide. Like, be like, I think with the most thing about like I mean, if you had it. DNR or most, yeah, whatever it'd be like. Paramedics should we want to respect those things, so the first thing we do is check someone's wallet, you know what I mean? Like, if because it, it would look like you're robbing people, it's got to check something, <laughs> yeah, just gotta check you something, just flip over the body. Like, he, the... <laughs> we found this guy, he's sitting there, We'd be like, hold on a second, and you like go, through no, oh,
2: most and you flip their body back over, I yeah. guess. I'm sorry, CBR or yeah, something, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't uh, work, but there's $20 cash here. But yeah no a lot of people don't realize that they need to have it like it's usually should be on the on the fridge in the wallet somewhere Hmm. that that a family that they you paramedics usually immediately go and look at the wall especially Mm -hmm. if it's an elderly person if if it's expected but uh, one of the first ones i did um one of the first cardiac arrests i went to i didn't i hadn't done cpr at this point but uh this little little lady passed away and uh and they were like she's got a dnr i was like okay where is it and then they were like we're trying to find it i'm like okay well i'm going to go assess my patient yeah and if you can't find it meantime. we have to basically beat the crap out of your grandmother for a while yeah and it's which is so sad you yeah. know in the sense oh, that like you're they're not going to recover from from you know 12 no. firefighters
1: dancing on your chest it's for, it's, for a while what? i mean that's something i'm sorry to interrupt but that's something i getting to know amanda that i didn't realize that you know all of the, this. oh you think you know me No, but uh, that she wants twelve firefighters to dance on my chest. (laughs) It's a weird fetish thing. But no, seriously, we is that she would say like uh, because you know again you you, a lot of things when it comes to you know paramedics and and the ER. You see, they come in and they're doing CPR for ten minutes, and then oh, they're fine. And in the next scene, it's like you know them talking to their family the next day, being like we were worried you yeah. weren't going to we're make it a little sore. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't realize that there's like a whole bunch of bad stuff that happens with CPR. Yeah. And oh yeah. Especially when you start, C- when you're the one that starts CPR, yes. at home,
2: it sounds like you just jumped on a bunch of bubble wrap. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You, you you have to break ribs. To I've do said this well. before to do, yeah. to do good CPR. You have to break ribs. If you're breaking ribs, you're piercing lungs. Yeah.
2: But in, the, in the hard part with that though, like that's, that's that, yeah, you're piercing lungs. Is exactly what happens. Uh, but when it, when you're in t- like 25 minutes into a code, Mm-hmm. And it's just a and there's flat no spring chest. Left there's in the no chest. spring left in the chest. It just feels like you're.
1: Just it's literally like if, you, a if you
0: put your hands on this carpet right now and did this as hard as you could up and down with your upper torso.
1: Amanda's it, pushing down on her hands. It,
0: you would into solid wood. Yes, that is what, what pushing it like. on a, it's. It's actually. It's almost. It almost feels worse than breaking the ribs initially. Well, um, yeah. There's
2: a weird. There's. there's it's. What went, both, Okay, I have to ask. What yeah. went
0: through your, at the head the first time that you actually really did CPR because it's no matter how much simulation you do, no matter how good the, the Annie's get, it it is nothing like the real thing.
2: Yeah. Uh, the first time I did CPR was, I was by myself, completely by myself, basically brand new with a partner that was also basically brand new. And, uh, it was for, uh, a man. Anyway, but his son was there and he was older and his son was older but uh yeah that was that was uh that was crazy like yeah doing the secret the first fi- first time and then just cracking those ribs mm-hmm. and then just going oh that's normal i guess mm-hmm. and then and then people don't realize it's not like you just crack all the ribs and it's fine like you crack some ribs and then every you know round then it's like crack like one more crack mm-hmm. and so it's just like you never really get away until that it's just like a dead chest and uh and yes and, and so that was interesting so we didn't have any help right so then i had to i think we we had to we got a volunteer firefighters to eventually come to help us with that which meant i free me up to be able to talk to him and then run the code properly because so, there's a lot of things to do with with cpr and and when there's only two right. of you you have to you have to there's kind of like a, a list of what's more more important mm-hmm. and uh and so, some things you can't get to right like mm-hmm yeah, sure. It'd be great to have a blood glucose on your dead patient, um, to severe with their sugars level. Is, is that the cause? You know, you're trying to right. figure, you're trying to figure out cause as well. So you're doing CPR while trying to figure out cause. And, uh, so you, so you know, if it's a reversible cause or, or, or is this like, do we need to get up and go? But then also after th- I think three rounds, I can't, it's been a while. I've been out of a, being a paramedic for, for two years now, but, uh, after, after a certain amount of no shocks, or shocks. I can't really. Really, I really need to take a CPR course. You should. Everyone should take a CPR course. Um, but uh,
1: if you want to smash some chest. yeah,
2: we'd have to call doctors though. Yes. So I would oh, be okay. like, I, there was two of us, and I would have to, basically, I'd be like, most likely breathing for for the patient. Well, my partner did CPR, but then we had to switch out too because you can't, you have to, you have to stay fresh because it's not, it, you, right. you're ineffective after about two minutes. And you
0: have no, you think you're okay. You have no idea yeah. how exhausting doing chest compressions yeah. are. You think you're all right. And then if you were to put yourself against a proper chest compression timer or something that was measuring your depth yeah. or whatever, you would be way off. That was pretty,
2: that was pretty great. They called me the metronome. Oh, nice. Uh, I was always on 100 yeah. beats. and uh, Nice. Yeah, pretty great CPR. You got never, some good arms. Never brought anyone back, but real great oh, at CPR. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not true. Uh, re- I think I brought like two people
1: back. Oh, that's Two, okay. three well, people that's, back uh, in my that's career. I knew you told me one because you had a joke about it. But anyway, yeah. It yeah. took
2: a while though. Yeah. Uh, it, that was that was like the first thing that was really affecting me. I remember like having yeah. a really, I've had, had, a, had a talk with a friend. I'm like, I haven't brought anyone back. Mm-hmm. One of the things was like anyone that I got to, I kept alive to the hospital. Mm. but anyone i got to that was dead they stayed dead right for a while in my career and that that was hard yeah um and uh yeah but when you you finally get someone and then and then i work with a guy his very first cardiac arrest we got back oh, uh, and I was, and he's like yeah and i'm like and i'm like don't worry but it. it's not gonna happen every time second cardiac arrest he got back Jeez. <laughs> like all right well maybe it's me oh man. but that's, uh
1: that's Roughly yeah. But rough, then you're calling yeah.
2: the, you're calling the doctor and you're, you're saying, this is what I'm finding. This is what we're doing. This is my plan. I think we should stay here to do more effective CPR. It is however many minutes away from the hospital. So if we do, if you do want us to come towards you, cause it's the doctor's call at that point. Interesting. Okay. You have to paint a perfect picture cause he doesn't, he's not there. Right. And, yeah. you, and now it's on his license. He's right. just over the phone trying to be like, he's got this scared young paramedic. You have to be very confident and you have to learn how to do it. And you take a breath before you call and then just be like, oh, I have this. This is what's happening. You're freaking out inside. Mm. Uh, I guess you, you don't have that much schooling compared to a doctor, physician, an ER physician.
1: See, I didn't realize that that was, that's something, again, part of the, the veil of this. Yeah. Is that I didn't realize that you're in contact with. The place the that you're heading to yeah like with the well
2: and then if you do get there then you have to do a trauma bay handoff report and that's terrifying if you're not uh if you're not ready for it and that's what helped me get good at stand up because
0: yeah, at that point if, if if somebody's rolling in uh post arrest or you know it with active cpr going on we we've got at least two doctors we've got an rt we've got the shift supervisor you've got probably six nurses all standing there going <laughs>
2: what now and then they look at you
0: yeah what did you do what do we need to know
2: they don't even ask that they just look at you and go and you just start going this is what happened this is what i did this is what i found uh you'll find these things here 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 and here um the vitals are this 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 and this you have no paperwork on you it's all in your memory and And you go these these are the last five rounds of vitals i can remember (laughs) and while
0: they're trying to rattle all that information off we're all like running around like chickens with our heads cut mm-hmm. off, moving the patient over, hooking them up, adding IVs, putting yeah. in whatever. So they're starting to work on intubation. We've taken over CPR. Yeah. So absolute chaos. chaos. Like things Black Friday at, at the biggest mall in America. Um, total chaos. Yeah. And then they're trying to give a calm and composed story over top of that. And we're uh, sometimes, we try we try really hard not to, but sometimes people are just like randomly shouting extra questions at them. Yeah. Like it's it would be awful.
2: Yeah. But if you're good at it, it's great. Which like is why you he feel, has no you, stage fright. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that's why that's what made me good to stand up with standing in a trauma bay with like <laughs> how many years of schooling looking at me and going, Oh, they're trusting me to know what I'm doing here. And, hmm. uh, and, and I can know what I'm doing and not be able to say it well, mm-hmm. and they lose confidence and what, and then they have to redo everything if they don't have confidence in what I did. They have to redo everything.
3: Right.
0: I will say though, it's not it's it gets redone. Anyway. Oh, it gets redone it anyway. But there's with. a
2: difference between if the doctor is just like, "What does this guy just <laughs> yeah. do?" You know, yeah. and then just being like, and then and then yeah. you kind of build rapports where they're like, "Oh, I trust him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I trust him. Or I don't trust yeah. him. Be careful. Whatever." But uh, yeah, not to say that they don't check. Not to say that they're like, well, the paramedics said there oh, was no, no, no. other. Injury. I, I, yeah. I yeah. meant
0: more from the, like, <laughs> the, it's it's not you and it's not that they don't trust you. It just yeah. gets redone no Oh, Of course, what. they have to. Yeah. Every,
2: and that's that's the whole thing is you redo everything every five minutes. Yeah. Do, and they're really critical. But uh, you know, when it comes to CPR, you stay on scene generally. Mm. Un- unless you're really close or a kid or uh, an active, like something that is is treatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. They generally want you to stay on scene and do proper mm. CPR. because That's what saves people. Mm. Yeah. But then you have to explain to the family why you're not leaving. Right. It's a whole other thing. And, and so then you have uh, all these other patients, quasi-patients. Right. That you have to worry about. Yeah.
0: Does that I answer know. your question? Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, and <laughs> yeah, the, like, the extra layer is caught. It's, it's, it's hard enough when you have like a social worker available or yeah. uh, or something in the hospital but i can't i, I wouldn't yeah now even... you're
2: social worker and paramedic and doctor and all these other
0: yeah.
1: things and and, and mediator too and probably mediator, because yeah. chances are like i mean if there's been a fight someone comes back or mm-hmm. i'm sure you've had that stuff too where yeah if like, like an just, overdose or something like that yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. like that's i mean yeah.
0: So then the next, you, you sort of addressed it a little bit, but maybe we, we can just kind of clarify the details. So then the next question is, okay, so you call a code on scene, yeah. which you're not, you're not transporting to the hospital, the person's dead, we've decided that we've all agreed we're going to leave them here. Now what happens?
2: They're dead and we've finished. Mm-hmm. It's been usually about 30 minutes and then we call the doctor again mm-hmm. and then they we say, we've been doing it for 30 minutes. Again, you just re- you might get a different doctor and say, this is what's going on, this is what I've done and uh, requesting permission to stop CPR. Mm. And then they will ask a few questions if they want to unless, unless you've given them a very good report. And then you stop. Uh, and then you generally what happens is it's uh, kind of referred to, uh, is, is doing CPR for the family. Mm. Mm-hmm. So at that point you go, cause you're the only person that knows you're the only person on the phone call when you're in that position. Yeah. So you know that we're done, right? So you might give it like a little hand on your, and you, and the firefighters, the other paramedics, they know what's going on too. And they go, the call was made. No mention of, you know, loading this person up was, was mentioned, but also no no requests to stop at that point. So right. usually what you do is you go to the family who's there, and say explain to them the situation. You know we've been keeping their heart alive. We've been keep, we've been keeping their them alive. Well not alive, but we've been keeping their heart pumping, trying to get their heart to restart by themselves. It's been half an hour. I've talked to physicians. They they agree it's time that we stop CPR. So mm-hmm. what we're gonna do generally is you 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 finish the last round, and say we're going to try we're going to finish this round and just see if that can work. And if not, we will be stopping. And then, uh, and then, yeah, then you do that and then you discontinue everything. And, uh, then you explain to them that they, that they've either, they're dead, they're mm-hmm. deceased and you try not to stay super dead until you leave, mm-hmm. uh, to each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, and then you got in a whole other, whole other, whole other call. Cause then it's a, then it's a psychiatric call for the family and who, who's having a hard time, and then your yeah. treatment might just be hanging out and making tea. And I've done that a lot. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: And then do you contact the police uh, and the coroner? Does dispatch do that for you?
2: Uh, yeah, I usually call um, I call dispatch and say, yeah, we'll need, we need the, the police here. And the police come. And uh, we give them a report of what we did. And then they have to investigate it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, then they call the coroner.
1: Now the fact that you said you're in contact with a doctor. What if you're uh, attending? Because you know we live in BC and there's places without cell service. So you get to a spot where there's like I don't know if this is a pretty specific situation, but if you can't talk to someone, do you just have to make the calls on those things yourself, or do you? Yeah, that's that's
2: rare. Um, yeah. Usually satellite phones. Oh, really? Worst okay. case scenario, you got uh, radios. Usually oh, yeah, you have CBs too. Yeah, yes, that's right. and uh, but yeah, I mean and that in that rare. I think you have to make, you know what to do. Yeah. You have attempted to make the phone call because it's all legal, right? It's yeah. the lega- legality of it. Make sure you did it all right. And uh, so, yeah, if you can say I've called the doctor and you document, no doctor answer, could not get a hold mm-hmm. of it, no whatever. And this is what I did. So yeah, you just cover yourself and, and right. say, and just document everything you did.
0: And there's two little, two little caveats to that that I would, I would add in one, honestly, Best piece of advice I ever got, as far as like buffering my my psyche as a nurse, is um, situation like that. For example, you can't kill someone who's already dead. Mm-hmm. So you do yeah. you do what you can, and that's what you can do. Yeah. Um, but also, t- when when they're reaching out to speak to to physicians in these situations, you know, at just an, and it, it's fascinating to me because it's an interesting extra layer, or it would be an extra layer of stress for me. They're talking to transport physicians. Um, that are on call for their service. They're mm. not. It's not like they're talking to the doctor that's going to see the patient in the doctor oh, they're they're there. at dinner. So then they're starting. Oh, yeah. so, that's a good point. Yeah. So they've had they've had a conversation see, with one the, doctor, uh, and then they point. come into the hospital, and now they're starting from scratch. Yeah. with somebody who doesn't know the situation. And
1: was, I've had to talk to Doctor So and So. You know, it's funny because you know, uh, interesting because yeah, when you were when you're explaining that in my mind, I'm thinking because I know that there's a doctor usually in an ER. Mm-hmm. that's what i was picturing him sitting by the phone and be like well, what do you got coming in mm-hmm. you know like that's no that's, but then you do actually call the the hospital as well so it's separate
2: I, yes.
0: if you yeah, do you'll, get them back you'll give them a heads up but, the, but in, even yeah. that like so penticton again it, it's small enough and we you know have, have a good working relationship with our crews in town so we will often get like a personal call from yeah. a paramedic either somebody who's on scene or somebody who knows that someone else is on scene saying, Hey, we've had a such and such happen. We think that there's CPR going on. You guys might want to prep the trauma bay. Yeah. -hmm. Just need an
1: emoji system. You just send emojis. Yeah. (laughs) But it's (laughs) It's essentially like in Kelowna, broken heart, hand praying.
0: Yeah. Like in Kelowna, (laughs) like as they're like three minutes away, they'll be like, we're coming in, we're doing CPR. And that's like all you get. Right. Gotcha. It's a cute
2: hospital notification. Just sending an emoji <laughs> of an ambulance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so
1: upside down face. Like, what? Yeah. And <laughs> oh, so, no, so anything. like
0: you know, yes, you would imagine from TV that the hospital has some idea what is going yeah. on, so they can prepare for it, and they don't. Which again is another uh, layer of of shit, frankly, to add on to the poor paramedics. A,
2: those are bad crews. <laughs> who, who then have to
0: <laughs> to come in and like truly be starting entirely from scratch as we're continuing the code in the bay. Mm. Which is just insane.
2: Yeah, I, I always, I always tried to give. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could easily just go. I've had times where you, it was so crazy. You have no help. It's mm-hmm. crazy. You're just a few minutes away from the hospital, and you just radio dispatch be like, just call someone and tell them we're coming. Yeah. But generally, you have uh, a second to make the phone call and just whether uh, usually if you're working in a city, there's more help, and so the attending paramedic isn't actually hands on with the with the person at all. Right. Um. So they're able to do all the phone calls they need to do, direct people, uh, uh, get them to adjust and uh, talk to the family, get history, try to figure out a cause. And that's kind of what you're it's like a fun little puzzle. Yeah. Tragic little puzzle. I shouldn't say fun.
1: No, but I mean, it's all relative to. Yeah. So if it's I mean, that's the thing. I think if you can find just like with any work, you can find uh, there's going to be a way to find some fun in it. oh and if it's like a young person that's
2: down usually you
1: instantly think it's overdose Mm
2: -hmm. and uh you just go for
1: narcan right away
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. and then stand back because if they do wake up they wake up swinging oh my god yeah
2: and before before fentanyl um we used to uh we used it wasn't necessarily like what we were supposed to do but uh you learned kind of on the street that you titrate it so instead of giving the whole thing of narcan to wake this person up from this horrendous overdose the, you're really just you're really just wanting them to breathe at that point cuz mm-hmm. you don't know what else is in their system right so you knock out all the heroin and mm-hmm. then their meth is flaring oh, they geez. wake up and then they're all just it's like you went and you punched it it's like waking up from getting punched out of sleep so imagine how angry you would be, how uncomfortable you're instantly in withdrawals. Yeah, yeah.
0: you forced forced yeah. withdrawal is so before ugly. before
2: fentanyl, you were able to go like, I'm just gonna give them a touch. As long as they're mm-hmm. breathing it, that's that's the goal is to keep them breathing and make sure that they've got a good airway. And uh, but now it's just like just keep giving them narcan mm-hmm. and hope it does anything. Mm-hmm. Like it's fentanyl's mm. terrifying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Earlier early in my nursing career, you know, you'd give narcan once or twice here and there. I think I honestly had seen it given more often for like patients in hospital who'd been overloaded with pain medication (laughs) um and then you're like yeah, maybe we just need to wake you up a little bit i mean and 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 even that incredibly (laughs) uncommon right and then you start to see a little bit here and there for overdoses and yeah your standard you know your 0.4 dose and people would wake up and start screaming at you for ruining their high and you're like okay cool you're alive and and then uh, now it is so common to see people who come in and they've already had four or five, six doses of Narcan and they're still basically flat. Basically and bad, then yeah. you start them on an infusion. You're literally just yeah. running, running a Narcan. line of Narcan into their system yeah. continuously, sometimes for hours. I've seen it like 24, 48 hours, you know, where you're like, that patient's still in ICU on the Narcan infusion. Yep, they're oh, still yeah. on the infusion because yeah. the drugs are that long lasting. Yeah,
2: the Narcan at-
1: doesn't last very long. Interesting. And so, and and if you Is it really hard on you too, Narcan?
0: Well, well it's hard on you because of the withdrawal it puts yeah, you in. Yeah. The withdrawal, withdrawal is hard on you. Yeah, gotcha. And the other problem is is you see a lot. This is I mean, would be an interesting one for the like the spectrum of death without being dead conversation. So much, so much anoxic brain injury. Oh yeah. So hmm. you've been down, you've either been not breathing or not breathing nearly well enough. And your brain, okay, yeah, we we get you back. You're alive physically. You're fully functional. And your brain is toast. Yeah.
2: But, you know, then you got, uh, you know, the positive on that side is you get a lot of uh, good organ donors. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, I mean, potential. But What yeah, else do they do? Great, They're usually younger and...
0: Great potential organ donors. But honestly, you know, the the mechanics of actually getting organ donation done again is another thing i i I want to i want to talk about organ donation and body donation more um on the podcast at some point because again there's a lot of moving parts there and it's not it actually does not happen nearly as often as you would think or hope uh it just doesn't come together my my goal was never
2: to uh, my goal was never obviously my goal obviously is to save everybody my my hope that i understood my my realistic hope wasn't that this person that i'm getting back from cpr is going to live a full functioning life but maybe maybe they will uh, maybe they'll have some uh, yeah some brain injury or something like that but maybe it's just going to get them to the hospital so their family can get there and mm-hmm. say bye mm-hmm. you know that's a little better than uh just hearing that your your family member died in a street somewhere you know or in a basement or something you know if we can get them back um Uh, just to get them to the point where their family could say bye
1: it's huge Mm -hmm. yeah that makes that makes a big uh, difference that's well one of the did you i was going to say there was one question i know that you you're a fan of our podcast i love your podcast yeah and there's something that you wanted we wanted to talk about with that on our one of our previous episodes about the body farms so what was the uh, very
2: uh, good episode if you have not watched or listened to that episode go back and listen to that
1: episode that changed a lot for me
0: even <laughs> andrew hasn't heard the episode no oh, yeah that <laughs> was <the one laughs> I wasn't
1: on and that's the thing it's funny because that's why i wanted to ask you that question you had mentioned that yeah. before we uh, did part two here and you you said i don't want to talk about that right now i'd rather save it for the, the recording so what was what did you find interesting about that one so that way i'll be uh convinced to go listen to it <laughs> okay, so so I'm really I'm really interested in uh by the way, by the time this episode comes out, I'm sure I'll listen to it. Let's hope. So <laughs> yeah, go hopefully. on. Like, Sam Who? <laughs> uh no, I think uh
2: um Oh crap, I lost my train of thought. What was there? Oh, oh yes Body Farms. Body farms, thank you. Uh yeah, so that was really interesting. I didn't know about body farms. What? did oh. not know about body farms.
0: See, I I when I went into the episode with Laura, I really thought that most everybody would would be like, oh yeah, body farms because they it shows it, CSI especially in the early seasons. Yeah. F- they had fucking body farms like left right. And, oh, let's just pop out of the body farm and see how this works, right? which is totally not a thing. But yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> so I was just like everybody's going to know about body farms at least the term.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I thought that
1: was really interesting because I, I, I. Wait, for those that don't know, what listen is the, to the episode. Listen to the episode, <laughs> but for what in I a know, sense. a body farm is basically where they do put uh, bodies in different areas and stages in the like, yeah. in to check out uh, different stages of decomposure Yeah, and like whatever. So yes. yeah. So anyway, that's what it is. Go on. It's not actually. Planting a baby and growing. No, they, they no. check out. They go, like,
2: oh, oh, how long yes. does it take for the uh, flora and fauna to start? That's right. Yeah, it's and, it's the, <laughs>
0: f- the formal study of of the forensics of death. Right. But
2: also, that, as specific as that sounds, the fun part of it is that uh, they're like, we need to know what a body it looks like who has been dumped in a ditch and then, like, yes. you know, bloated in a sink yeah. or not sink, but like a tub mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Totally. And so it's just like, this <laughs> is just it's so funny to me. <laughs> that just sounds so fun. <laughs> Um, it is
1: kind of it is an interesting thing to be like what are you I'm a farmer like people would not say I'm a body farmer this is actually what I wanted to bring up to you guys I wasn't sure uh, if you
2: if you actually even heard about this so before this whole body farm thing which is blown up I actually think this is what I want to do with my body since this episode yeah Uh, and I am actually probably going to take some some steps towards like actually filing what I got a bunch more episodes don't
1: don't don't make your decision don't decide we can always change it make your decision
0: There's
1: yeah. aquamation oh that's a little bit in the next episode okay that I'll listen to that. okay
2: anyway uh no I, I always i think that i think we this is weird to say but i think we value corpses too much mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so yeah like the burying thing it's ridiculous to me just because it's just like they're gone they don't yeah. need a spot you know they're they're only <laughs> i was talking to my girlfriend about this about how like really she went to a, she went to a, a graveyard she's like all these guys died in like 1880 she's like their family doesn't their family's dead yeah you know and like they're really their only purpose is so uh, so a school trip can go over there and put a put a piece of paper on it and use a crayon and like shade and and they get their name that's really the purpose of it but it's a lot of space totally and then you made that good point in the one laps that a few episodes ago whatever maybe it's the body from one but like you know there could be parked there it could be a lot yeah. of things <laughs> so then there's other options so i was like hey, what, do I, what, do I, what do i want to do with my body and <laughs> people are People are uh, taxiderming themselves. Oh, yeah. Mm. Not themselves, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I know. You're not yeah. that good at that. That's, but uh, they're getting taxidermied. But <laughs> I think that's died? So Suicide by taxidermy. They <laughs> just slowly <laughs> taxidermied himself. <laughs> Did his head last. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a way to go. No, but I mean, like, when you look at, like, how... Like I think I think there's I think it's so somber. Death is so somber, It's so sad and everyone's so sad. But if you can do like a taxidermy like a bit, like I would totally do a bit with my own body. Yeah. You know whether that's me standing up in like the high five position or in like a hug position. Well, why
0: don't you uh, it's as with many things. It's less easy to do now because it's become quite popular yeah. in its own weird way. But those I can't remember what the proper term is, but uh, those scientific installations that go around the world. Right, they're people, full. Were, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: they're full of celebrities wanting to get in there. Yeah, they won't accept. I was going to say, with so
0: many things like that. You, yeah. you kind of can't anymore.
2: Yeah, it was, the, it was the the body exhibit? Or something I know, like I that. can't.
0: There's a couple different versions of it. the original one was. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm super drunk. cool. That and obviously like would have like been down for. everything, and well, it's it's mm-hmm. amazing. I
1: think you should like. We could probably write like a maybe a convincing letter because they have like athletic people and you can see the mus- musculature of their yes. body and just be <laughs> this
2: like this is what a dad bod looks like looks, you ever- looks like what about me have you <laughs> ever like, seen this a- exhibit because they, yeah, yeah. they do exactly
0: that like they put people in you know oh i'm playing basketball yeah. you know and 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 they'll yeah plasticize your body yeah. that way yeah
2: you know? yeah no it's really interesting um and then, I can see uh, you doing a slam dunk. <laughs> well, first off, I, I really guy. want <laughs> I, I, I know I want them just to use any part of me that mm-hmm. they can. Like mm-hmm. I don't I'm not using this body mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, just take anything. i uh, seen what it can do and uh, how much more people. Uh, like how, how much can how much was one body? How many people can it save? I can't remember. It's a it's, it's a, a lot. lot. Yeah, yeah. You know whether it's eyes, I, whether it's skin, whether say. it's all this other stuff. So that's obviously ideal. Um but uh but yeah if that if that's not possible then uh or when they're done with it. I don't know what they do when they're done with it. But ideally they you know it's like hunting, you use the whole body. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, <laughs> use the whole thing. That's funny. Um but I like the idea of this uh this this body farm because so I always wanted to do this like funny bit uh or something in my in my death because I think people it's too sad and so I would like to do a funny thing that makes people laugh with my body. But man, the idea of going to a body farm Mm -hmm. and like, you know, there's enough science, enough people going for science and whatever, but the body farm and like, you know, just the idea, like, I'm like, can I request a certain, like, can you, can you really just, like, can you research the hardest murder (laughs) on me? Like, can you use my body to figure that out? Like, you know, we need to, and like, they're going to be respectful, but then the idea that they just throw you in a ditch is hilarious to me. We'll see. Or, so we need to
1: see, uh, you know, we, you think there was a guy that was murdered by fire ants we need to confirm it so yeah like we, we got to drop like, him out
2: of a plane oh, into a yeah, yeah. marsh
1: oh, you know okay.
0: oh, yeah. have you ever read stiff no <laughs> oh oh oh, okay remind me when we're done you will love the... actually never mind don't go looking for it. i'm gonna buy it for you oh that's nice of uh, you <laughs> you're you are gonna shit yourself over this book that sounds it's great amazing it's this author... i haven't read
1: it either if you want to buy me a copy
0: sure
2: But honestly, this other thing, I was was telling you this earlier, but this, this is sort of like a, as a bit I've been working on, but like legit, it came from a legitimate place of just wondering why I can't do this, but the sense that there are necrophiliacs in the world and, uh, and I would like to, there's no one donating their body to them, you know, like, (laughs) and so
3: (laughs) I think you could, I think you could uh, do
2: a lot of good there and you can share with a lot of people and it, that that if i could do that and then just knowing if i would die before my dad died and just knowing <laughs> that that's happening he knows that that's happening i just think it's hilarious I love if it. that can happen that's great other than that my go-to was in ashcroft there's a <laughs> there's a there's a, a pumpkin cannon oh nice uh- uh, in Ashcroft, there's a pumpkin cannon that essentially is the same width of a human body. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering if I could like go to them and pitch this idea. They're obviously red tape, you know, mm-hmm. and th- there's going to be things to deal with. But assuming you might think. But assuming I could do it, right? Ideally, would be put me in the pumpkin cannon and they shoot these pumpkins across a valley. Like from mountain to mountain and it smashes into the other mountain. Amazing. So I always thought it'd be funny to be like just... Like the last thing, my whole family's there yeah. and they just shoot me out of this can like I'm a clown, yeah. but with no, Amazing. no, no net or anything. Yeah. And I would just be like, you know, my body, my limbs would be slowly flailing in the wind there until I smash anything. into the mountain. I love it. And then they could always revisit me and they'd be like, oh, there's the red mark. That's dad yeah. or something That's, like that. That that, hole, that was his skull. Yeah. The pictograph.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Weird. So
0: if, if your altruistic death move is to donate your body to a necrophiliac club. Yeah solid backup and i think i might have mentioned this on an earlier podcast too cuz i found it years ago by accident was like this is an amazing thing cuz it's hilarious to me You you either cremate yourself or now we're promoting aquamation. People Uh, have a look on our webpage. Look for the pledge link. It's a great thing. It's very environmentally friendly. I'm
2: gonna have to keep updating my will (laughs) with all these episodes. I'm like, now I want that. It's like the new iPhone to me. I'm like, I want that death now.
1: (laughs) Make your will to be like really complex. Where you have to listen. Just just (laughs) be generic. Coolest thing. No, it's just episode eight.
0: I was gonna say, please refer to the final episode of. I select that
2: (laughs) most (laughs) current episode, please.
0: Mm-hmm. um and yeah so you either cremate yourself or aquamate yourself or someone does it for you i guess and you have your remains molded into a dildo
2: oh yeah okay i've heard of this <laughs> which yeah.
0: i think is amazing yeah but you also said you want to be dropped on a plane so you really need to read this book stiff okay i cannot remember her name i do apologize it is actually in a in the list of books that we suggest for for potential interesting reading in our our link tree page on instagram mm-hmm. It is this. this female journalist who's written uh, several books and and like totally unrelated to death she just like picks a topic she finds interesting she writes a book about it and she's also quite humorous so she wrote a book it's uh, several years old now about death and every chapter is basically a slightly different thing about what could happen to a human body after someone is dead. And so one of the things she talks about is the transportation industry and how everybody's like, oh, you know, uh, safety dummies. Well, actually, most of that stuff is done on real cadavers first to figure out what they then, then need to retest Fun. with the safety dummies and the better sensors. Yeah. Mm. And one of the things they do is they have at different points in time done research for plane crashes where mm. they fly way up in there and just go bloop and dump bodies out of the plane to see whether that smash pattern and where the flotsam goes and whatnot matches what has happened in a crash yeah. or, you know, historically or, you know, if they're trying to like pre-gather data, So you could get thrown out of I don't Yeah, think, I don't think you can request I it, that's what I, I want to could. request
2: just the
1: coolest part. Like whatever you think would be like, woof, we're going to do that <laughs> yeah. to that person and like well, I'll take that one. <laughs> it's your last will and testament and they have to do it. Too. Yeah. Just, it's like a legal <laughs> binding thing. So right? that's the fun it's thing. A, it's a,
0: like, a lovely suggestion. It is not binding. <laughs> well, it, it can
1: be binding if you have someone that's left behind that's uh, that you trust well the right? cool thing say, about so that so then, then by the way <laughs> the, the, the book is called Stiff the yeah. Curious Live of Human Cadavers by Mary Roach no oh, fun thank you
2: so the cool fun. thing that, that I learned from you guys podcast the, the body farms thing is that so they only do that for a few years but then and they don't release it back to the family but they put it in a pile of bones oh, okay
0: so that <laughs> every body farm is different okay every uh, one that there because there's uh, I want to say there's like Twelve or 16 of them like around the world right now and every single one has a different policy so the largest bo- body farm is down in the states and they yeah they use the body for up to three years for the actual body farm yeah. and then they have the world's largest bone collection they continue to use the bones after the fact and after um, a cadaver has entered the bone stage, then family can visit them in the bone gallery. They can't visit them while they're on the body farm. But then, so then at that point, uh, the idea is, is that they, they have these skeletons and they know your history. They know that you were a 34-year-old male, that you lived in this region, that you had X health condition, that you broke your leg when you were four, blah, right. blah, blah. And so what they can do is they can do things like um, have reconstruction artists look at your skeleton and reconstruct you and then go, does that match? I've got a picture of the real guy. And so they can refine the art that way. Or they can be like, okay, look at this wound. What do you think it is? We know from your file that it was from when you broke your leg playing soccer when yeah. you were six.
2: So let's see if you can diagnose it. What do it. you guys think it yeah. is?
0: What makes you think that? How can we help, you know, align? So it's, it's really, it's That's quite really cool. Yeah, they no, don't all do that though.
2: Yeah, but I, I like that idea that at least someone's going to learn something with my body would be great. Uh, if I weren't into that whole thing, my... Uh, my aunt, or my my wife's aunt, when she passed away, she had a. Uh, they're very. She was a very spiritual hippie-ish kind of person, and they and they had to do a lot of stuff to get this done. But they went to the island. They had a natural burial, which was really cool. Yes, and so she was like in we this are beautiful going
0: wicker down to basket. Salt spring to talk yeah, to yeah, the that's a future episode. Down there. The yep. Oh,
2: horror. cool. We're yeah, no, that, that that's cemetery. wonderful. If you yeah. if you're into like if you like, no, I don't want a cremation. Whatever. Right. I, I think that's a great. If they cool can do concept. that more,
1: that's great. Well, that's the interesting thing that we found out through this is that you know, some of the people we've talked to that are coming up in or have been on episodes um, have said. You know, you can't, a lot of people are like, oh, just donate my body to science. I don't care. Yeah. You know, and that's not, like you said, nobody's interested anymore. There's no. enough science bodies. And
0: and they're moving away from cadavers for gross anatomy for education, mm-hmm. and, uh, which yeah, is actually and this, sad, I think.
1: And throwing your body, I mean, honestly, the only thing that's helpful where we live, because we live in BC, if we went in the woods, like an a animal's going to eat it. Scavengers yeah. are going to eat it. And that's about it. But otherwise, as far as like being human bodies and there's a, many different reasons why. I mean, diet or who mm-hmm. knows, environment, all sorts of things. But they're not really environmentally friendly yeah. to be in the thing. So a pumpkin cannon is not a bad idea to splat you against Because that's going to be way better for, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah. environmentally wise. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, if you're naked, let's be honest. You have to be naked. That might be weird for your family. But mm-hmm. then there's it no is. clothes yeah. left behind. Yeah. yeah in that's the where, yeah. like I've mentioned We're a couple cotton. times
0: already. <laughs>
1: um, We're hemp.
0: <laughs> uh, um, aquamation, which is... Currently not permitted in BC, but there is a petition around to try and have um, some of the regulations around that change so that it can be utilized. Um, it's exa- Essentially, it's the same end result as cremation. You get scatterable ashes, but it's all water-based. So rather than u- using fire and gas and temperatures and burning things off, the body gets put in a, a water and lye solution, oh, warmed and agitated. All of the soft materials fall off the bones that is um, rinsed out and dealt with. And then the remaining hard materials and the bone fragments are are further cleaned and, and uh, broken down a little bit more. And then you get basically your ash box at the end of it. But it's like... Especially compared to cremation, super you a environment DIY
2: murder kit. It's <laughs> yeah,
0: like, yeah. It's, this is it's a beautiful
2: it's, thing. It's like people have been doing that for years in, totally, their, yeah, totally, in their garage.
0: Totally, <laughs> totally, but it's um, it's way more environment, way less energy use, yeah, yeah, yeah. way fewer. You don't have
2: to uh, buy know, a bur- barrel. Yeah, you don't have to buy a barrel.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's just there's it's, where do
2: you get a barrel these days? Uh, yeah.
0: But anyhow, it's it's a really cool thing. The other thing I was going to say though, um, you wanted to be uh, taxidermy, potentially doing a high five. So you know another. Option If they don't get their shit together and actually open a body farm in Western Canada before you die like they're supposed to, because I really don't know what the timeline is on that, but it's supposed to happen at some point, just move your ass to Quebec if you think you might be at risk of dying Mm -hmm. so that you can donate your body there. Because the really cool thing about the Canadian facility that we have now in Quebec is it's not just science. They very specifically integrated arts and humanities into it, so religious studies, like visual artists, sculptors, philosophers, all actually—I don't know exactly the ins and outs of how it works. You get turned into a lamp. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly the ins and outs of how it works, but they all participate in the body farm there, in the thanatology department there, so that you can look at death from an artistic perspective, from a philosophical perspective, from a really—but also like be facing death can a, while ca- can you're doing it. a
2: comic it. hang out with me? <laughs> And then we could just like like a weekend at Sammy's kind of thing. Oh, and uh, I mean, honestly, if you fun. were trying
0: to do some sort of a dissertation on it, you could probably make an application. Yeah. It would not surprise me. I don't know how it would work.
2: I wouldn't mind I a philosopher. And just be making them funny would be great. I'll hang out. But, it would, but
0: but like, so you go there and, and I'm sure you could have somebody do something artistic with you. Yeah. You know, it would be.
2: Body great. broke down
1: way faster when mm-hmm. I started just talking about theories. He <laughs> 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 was really trying to get out of here. Yeah. Whatever you do, your gravestone should probably say hilarious till the end. And beyond because <laughs> you have like a prank set out for your, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: for honestly, your next but, of kin. Oh. But like, this is like something I thought about a long time ago. Sure. And uh, but uh, if honestly, money, no object, end of life with my body, uh, I want it to be shot into space, yeah, just so I could Isn't fly through space. A it's a, a thing, thing. It, is, it is a thing. They don't generally celebrate. do the body, but uh, no. it's usually ashes. Mm, I want full that body. Makes sense. And uh, in an in astronaut costume or whatever. Of course. It doesn't have to be a real mm. astronaut suit, you know, dead body. <laughs> but that's just so funny. Like, one day you're going to smash into a planet. Yeah. Or something. or a star. Oh, yeah. That's, you know. Or you're just going to flow forever. Alien
1: ship windshield. Yeah. The,
2: I, I, no money, no object. Enough bodies for science. 100% send me into space.
0: So noted. I mean, the thing is, is, you know, Andrew and I are, are gonna be fairly well informed as this podcast goes along, our knowledge is just gonna grow. Feel free to make us executors if you need. I will. Mm. We we can we can do your rep nine for you. <laughs> okay. it's, it's all good. We've got
1: a bucket list of podcast uh, people and one of them may or may not be Elon Musk, who has <laughs> a bit of a rocket collection. Ooh, so yeah, we may be great. able to help you out, Sam.
2: That's awesome. Let me know if you get him.
1: And he loves comedy too. He does. So if you you could actually just get the, you can actually just be funny and he'll be like you're funny. What do you want? <laughs> what, what do you to, program? Yeah. Uh, program laughter into your body. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> nah, t- gonna- yeah, <laughs> he might send you to Mars. Yeah. Um,
0: now I, I would like to circle back around to yeah. medicine just a little bit. Sure. I, I'm curious if over the years that, that you served, if there are any key stories, key encounters that stand out for you you know, with death, and work, um, any anything that really like stuck with you that you felt was impactful in a good or a bad way.
3: Uh, yeah, um, there's a few. The,
2: the one that that sticks out um, was I was involved in a uh, um, murder suicide. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I uh, no, I was um, there was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh this is a weird pot to have but uh, no I I had a I had a patient who was uh, doing assisted death assisted dying mm-hmm. and it was you know I, I, I completely support it I think it's a good idea I don't think we were anywhere near what it should be the fact that you have to be basically suffering so hard to be able to be put out of your misery. They
0: have really adjusted as have of they? this year, oh, as good. of March of this year, they've really adjusted the regulations. Good. Um, I think to account for a lot of that. Yeah. And, um, and in a couple of years they'll, they'll be, um, uh, sort of automatically, I guess uh, we have a podcast coming up about this. So I won't okay, explain I'll too much. To
1: yes, we got one in the can. You <sighs> guys yeah, gonna say you're gonna find out all about That's the stuff, uh, Sam? Uh, so, but yeah. but yeah. yes, you're right. No, early you're days, right. Yeah. it was yeah, a
2: it was rough harsh. system. Not even early days. This was right, right before I ended my career. Like so, that, not too long ago, two, two and a half years. Yeah, ago? but early, early ago? days yes.
0: for for maid made still was really pr- yeah, very absolutely. much in his infancy then.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad. I'm glad it's getting better, and it's only gonna get better. But you know, I watched this. We got calls to this lady who just. She had some severe chronic lung disease that was causing her death Um, and uh, she was terminal and she called us the night before she was supposed to be, um, how would you say?
0: Yeah, to have her made provision. For whatever, yeah. Die.
2: Uh, To to die and to help help her die or whatever you want to say. And so her appointment was at like 9.30 in the morning and we were there at 11 o'clock at night and she was dying actively dying Mm. and she did not want to go to the hospital uh she did not want to die even though she did not want to suffer Mm -hmm. um she had done so much work to get this to to get this approved right and it was a a lot of what she wanted and then and then she was sort of like uh, you know even she felt sort of like a pioneer. Like she did all that work. Mm-hmm. It would be a shame for her not to be able to do that and that, and that, and, 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 and her life that way. And mm-hmm. if, and if, uh if she hadn't called us, she totally would have died um probably within an hour or so or mm-hmm. whatever. She was still enough with it to, um to, to tell, like to talk to me and stuff. And, uh and so I asked, her, I said, what do you want me to do? Cause I can't force you to go to the hospital, mm-hmm. but this isn't looking good. like, how, how so she's like we kind of came up with a plan that i'm not going to go into uh but basically it's just i i helped uh i, I sat there with her family and i just educated them and i'm like if because they had their own oxygen tanks you know she had lung issues for a long time yeah their oxygen tanks they had some other other masks um they had like nasal cannulas and she was actually like she didn't she needed a uh, she needed a breather like a very she needed more than that mm-hmm. but uh we gave her we gave them some masks and we gave her a lot of education and we just be like if you want her to live until this point do all of this stuff mm-hmm. and so we we did that and then uh yeah from from what i know i mean obviously i can't follow up with that but i i think it, hopefully it was enough to get her to 9:30 in the morning mm-hmm. it's weird you know just hoping for what was that 10 more hours that was that was pivotal you know
0: yeah that would be yeah wow
2: and then the other one that that's that uh, sticks out it was my first patient i ever had and uh he was 98 year old really strong german guy and worked on a farm worked on a farm like by himself his own farm until like that day uh, he had got diagnosed with uh, some type of some type of melanoma or cancer or something and so he was just doing a a checkup at the, at the hospital and, uh, otherwise healthy, no other medical problems his whole life. And then like that year, 98, of course, you know, 98, you, how do you have not have cancer at 98? Uh, and so he's going to get a check out or checkup. And as he was leaving, he tripped and broke his hip, Oh, he broke his hip and femur. And then that's how I, 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 I transported him from, I wasn't there when he, when he tripped, but I was just chatting with him and he told me the story. And, uh, and just knowing that like, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's obviously a hard thing, but I'll work through it." And I'm like, "No, you won't.
3: You're like, not leaving yeah. the hospital."
2: I didn't tell him that, but I had a right. wonderful conversation with him. Really nice guy. And then knowing that, like my first, my first patient, just knowing he was going to die, mm-hmm. just not from the cancer, but uh, right. you look at a hip injury, and I think sure. I'm not sure it's changed, but it was from what I know, it was about fifty percent. Oh, I, of... I
0: think it's higher than that. Well,
2: yeah, 50% when you look at all hip injuries, yeah. and that includes but young if, people. I was going
0: to say, if you're looking elderly. Yeah, when you
2: look at elderly, it's that's 50% yeah. ov- at overall population. So when you look at elderly, like, oh man.
0: You fall down, you break your hip, you either end up dying of urosepsis yeah. because you have to have a catheter because you can't get up or whatever it is, or you're mm. not hydrating well enough, or you get pneumonia because you're not moving around. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, it's... It's not
2: a fun way to go. I, I hope that it don't go that way. You know, as much as I am hoping for it to be somewhat memorable,
1: Mm-hmm. uh I don't want to go that way it's interesting because that is something that I've heard it's it's interesting it, it, because I know that Amanda's told me this too and you're saying it too is that you have to kind of like be the sunny side on things when people be like oh yeah well yeah you've got a good attitude about this you yeah know? I made I made and almost whenever... every one of my patients laugh by the time I got to the hospital oh that's great yeah Ah, oh, see so you're a natural born comedian I know that's right a, and that's because that yeah
2: They love. I was going to make a bad joke. No, I'm not going
3: to do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They love to laugh. Yeah, they love to laugh. They love humor and nice things. (laughs) But what I was going to say, the thing is, is that, and I've heard this from people that work with uh, one guy that I listened to, who worked with a lot of uh, dead uh, people that were, you know, dying, actively, hospice and different things. He said, you know, he he was able to connect with them because he would tell them the truth on things right and just be like and sit with them with it and i know that's something you can't do in the west really western medicine in some day because he's like you know there'd be people actively dying and he's in there with them and the doctor would come in and go you're looking better today and then they'd walk out and say to him you know under he could hear them being like he will be gone in an hour yeah you know yeah and it's just like an and and it's that's just you know it's not a I don't know. It's, it's not malicious. It's just it's a, not malicious. It's inculturation. Exactly. We, it's, we, exactly. Yeah. It's not dealing with truth. Yeah. Right. We've and, been
0: given this weird idea that that offering comfort and implying that there are truly useful options at all stages is somehow the kinder thing to do. Yeah. Which is, I don't really think is actually the case. No.
2: I had a few other ones like pivotal things. Like I had mm-hmm. a guy kind of that. uh and funny but uh he um he like cooked himself by accident oh my so it was a weird call right like it's such a weird thing he cooked himself like in essentially steamed himself to death by accident and uh so that was interesting just in the sense that, like, you never, you're never going to see that again. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Most likely, I'm never going to see that again. I, I never did. Wow. And that was really weird. But then he, he was, it was doing like an his,
1: industrial accident.
2: No, he was doing his own uh, cancer treatment. So oh my he was, goodness. there's this treatment in, uh, controversial treatment in Russia or Eastern Europe. And, uh, it's, um, like heat sauna heat therapy. Yeah. So the idea is that, and this is not necessarily proven, uh, it, it, the idea is that you bring your, body temperature up enough yeah. to, um, so to basically, basically kill the cancer. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then, and then you bring it back down and he wasn't doing it. It's funny. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do any, he didn't do any like chemo or radiation or anything like that. And he lived for a long time. So, you know, give it to him, you know, and, but he was like spending so much money. He would go down to Mexico and do stem cell treatment. He would get like, and he would get uh, shark blood infusions or some shark something infusions mm. or something. Couldn't remember, And his whole place was filled with uh, different vitamins, like like tens and tens of thousands of dollars of just vitamins. Interesting. And uh, yeah, he, he did this thing and he wasn't feeling well. And his wife told him to stop. And uh, he goes, I'm just going to go back and just do one more little thing. And then she checked on him; he was dead. And then he was sitting up and uh he fell asleep in it or died and no he was as he, he took his temperature and he was already a, a, she's like hey, this is uh, she's like i don't know what this means but like, this is what he wrote down before he went back in there and his temperature was already his internal temperature was way too high right so it just it was and he was already not feeling good mm. and so it was just he died like almost right away after going back into the heat mm. so that was weird my partner was brand new she was in for about a week and uh and because he was sitting up in this steam room she th- she didn't realize that he- i i didn't i was i checked on him he was like he's dead and uh rigor sets in really quick with heat yeah um so he's already rigored and we got there pretty quick and uh i was like can you get a this is kind of i I think it's hilarious but i was like can you get him a blanket she's like yeah sure and she's brand new i'm not realizing she's new she doesn't realize he's dead oh and i'm talking to the to the wife and then i look over she goes she comes over she's like do you want me to get some vitals or something like what do you want me to do here and i was like what and then i I looked over at him and he was like nicely tucked in as opposed to just covered with the blanket and he's like like as if he was cold and i was like Oh, I need to go talk to my partner, and then I had to go and tell her he was dead. <laughs> oh my <laughs> so goodness! It was a weird. It was a weird thing. But I'll never forget that. Like, that I thought time, he was man. just
1: really comfortably sleeping, and yeah, relaxed. You're like, yeah. Well, <laughs> just the get thing that he was in. It,
2: the, the weird thing that he was in. It was like one of those old. Uh, remember those little commercials for those old personal steam pods? Yeah, that over like they kind of encapsulate you, but your head sticks Probably. out. Yeah, so he died with his head sticking out. Oh, he's and in so, one of those. So, oh. like, when his head rested it still looked like it was up. Mm-hmm. And then he went into rigor almost immediately. So when you opened up the pod, he was, he was so just sitting, sitting sta- like oh, looking. Weird. He wasn't like, you know, collapsed down or That's anything. Interesting. Super weird.
0: One of the first patient deaths that I ever encountered when I became a nurse, I, I was, I I didn't do a lot of floor nursing. It re- my career has mostly been ER nursing, but um, I was coming onto the floor for day shift and I started doing rounds on my patients and I walked into this patient room and, and, the one patient was dead and it was, it was uh, an impending death. Like we knew mm-hmm. it, it was, it was coming at, at some point, but it obviously happened overnight and as healthcare so often is super short staffed, you know, and your patient load goes up on nights anyway. So I don't know exactly when the patient had last been checked on, but it had been a while because the patient was in rigor sitting up in bed With, like, knees bent over a pillow and, like, arms kind of in a funny position, like, on a book slash leaning on the rail. Yeah. And, like, in full rigor. Yeah. And then I had to figure out how to get this patient onto a stretcher and into a body bag and onto a stretcher and downstairs to the morgue when it was completely the wrong position. Yeah, it does not work. And I was just like, uh, uh, um, I mean this is bad i know it doesn't look good that we didn't catch this but also in my head i'm thinking this is like a comedy movie mm-hmm. i can't even i i i i couldn't write this i couldn't write this <laughs> yeah. like it was just <laughs> it was it was ridiculous I,
2: I walked in on a on a new crew to help them and uh <laughs> and this guy was clearly uh in rig- like rigor mortis we're kind of so we just keep saying rigor so we just, Specified as rigor mortis, but anyway. So, so this guy, very clear sign of of, of death that you cannot get back. And this uh, <laughs> this poor new new kid uh, was doing CPR on this rigored patient. Oh. Um, but the arms were like up a little bit. Yeah. And so every time that he was doing chest compressions, He's like he was hugging. getting no. He's getting slapped in the oh, face. Oh God! <laughs> and I'd be like, I think we're good, Jesus. man. That's your sign.
1: Yeah, and then you stop, and the arms are still up, look <laughs> like, oh, oh dear! Because you just run in and be like, "Oh shit!" And, like, start yeah, doing it. yeah. Well, because
2: he asked for help, right? Oh. And so he said another ambulance, and I was like, "Your oh. help, is so, so stop." <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. so was, you know, terrible, but also kind of hilarious. Oh, yeah. absolutely! Slapped in the face over Absolutely. And over again. Yeah.
0: Well, that's 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 the dead person being like, "I said stop, <laughs> please, yeah. go please away.
1: stop dancing on me."
0: So that incredibly comprehensive page of notes that you had, is there anything on there that you had thoughts about or wanted to talk about that we haven't managed to circle around to? Uh,
2: yeah. I am. Um, well, I know your last question usually. And I think <laughs> I kind of, I can kind of deal with that there. Um, oh, uh, so I was thinking, I was thinking about the, uh, like the nobility in mm-hmm. death mm-hmm. and how some people can be very noble in their death. And that's kind of what we all hope for. And, uh, but, uh, did you kind of like, uh, I think, I think I, when you look at like Norm Macdonald and when you look at, uh, do you guys know what happened with Alan Rickman?
1: Uh, Alan Rickman. I oh, I do. uh, no, I, 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 I
2: I think this is so amazing. Like, this is kind of how, if I because Alan Rickman died of cancer, yeah, Norman Donald also died of cancer. No yes. one knew that Norman Donald had died, uh, had right. cancer at all, right? One person did. One best person, friend. yeah, his yeah. best friend. Um, but the fact that like he just kept doing living his life, yeah, and they just that's and there's 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 uh interviews of him talking about how that's how he would like to go, and then he totally did that. Like, yeah, way to go, him.
1: Well, and, and those interviews were actually during the time. Yeah, they had cancer. That he had cancer. Yeah, and, and no one he knew. he would always talk about death. And because he was such an absurdist mm-hmm. person, and he'd do it that twinkle in his eye and yeah. kind of laughing. Yeah. He was trying to almost do what we're doing in yeah. a way. I'm not saying we're trailblazers, but you know what right. I mean? Like he would, he'd be like, what about the cold hand of death? <laughs> <You> <laughs> death know? And yeah. then people would be like, uh, they don't know where to go with that. Yeah. But the, that's a weird segue, yeah. right? But, but anyway, sorry. But, Alan so
2: Alan Rickman, I heard the story. I thought it was amazing. But he, uh, so he had cancer. No one, very, very few people knew that he had cancer apparently. Um, his friends didn't know that he had cancer. And so what he did was he, um, when he kind of was coming to the end, he would, sh- for like, a, I think he had like two two months um, where he specifically did this on like a his own, like he, he wanted to do this. So he would just show up at a friend's house mm-hmm. with uh, a bottle of wine. And right around the time that they were having dinner and uh, knock on their door and they'd be like, oh, my God, it's Alan Rickman. Look at that. Like and then they invite him in. He would have a great night with them. They'd share wine. They'd share stories. They'd share share meals, whatever. And then he'd give them all a hug. And he said, I had a great time. And he'd leave. And he wouldn't tell them at all he was just giving them a last, and he did that with every single one of, almost every single one of his friends from what I understand. Unreal. Uh, and none of them, he didn't, he didn't at any point, he could have been like, I have cancer, feel bad for or whatever. Yeah. But he just wanted to give them a last nice experience with him and uh, and not have that
1: uh, as a, as a cloud cool. over top
2: of it. I thought that was just amazing.
1: Interesting. That almost plays into our last question. So the, the question, how we wrap up the podcast, is that what you were, uh, is that you wanted to talk about? Because that's almost like, yeah, no, yeah. That, yeah, I'm glad that we talked about that. I think that's, no, that's a really a, cool story. To it put. is really cool. It is really cool because that's actually something, you know, a lot of people, I I, I don't know if they, whoever is listening to this doesn't know, but Norm MacDonald one of the, passed away and uh, recently, and he was one of the best comedians ever because he was fearless mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And in that fearlessness and in the culture that we're in with comedy sometimes, he got into some trouble sometimes. Yeah. And it was never his intention to be like, divide anything but he would there's a lot of times where people sometimes in that same thing to be like uh, he almost almost got canceled in a way in some ways Mm -hmm. and he could have played that card
2: oh a hundred percent yeah i
1: have cancer yeah you know which is like you know the
0: automatic uncancel me card
1: yeah. yeah it is kind of because then you're like oh shit okay well you know this guy but anyway, yeah, it's uh, so it, it's interesting that 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 happened because but I think what you're saying, too, is like to be remembered in a noble way. Yeah. Know, those people probably still talk about that story. You know, oh, yeah. these people's friends to be like, yeah, it's amazing. So because that's what yeah. a beautiful gift to be able to give. What today. a beautiful gift. And to end like that, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just so like, it's just like the ultimate well mic done. drop.
0: Yeah,
2: it's well funny, done.
1: When I actually heard that I about what Norm did and how nobody knew because I, I waited to hear it to be like. Yeah, there was people that he was close with that he was like comics friends. Yeah, with, that were, they were they're really pretty. They hung out with him all the time. Yeah, I was like that. Oh, they knew, mm-hmm. you know, like Bob Saget or someone like that, or like yeah, or Bob like, it, or like Nick Swordson who was really close with and mm-hmm. he, he'd hang out with all the time. And uh, but none of those people knew. And I automatically, honestly thought because we we ta- one of our first episodes, you remember we were both talking about like what do we want this podcast to be? And right, what's a good death? And I was like, I oh, reserve my answer. But that's part of the thing is like if i interestingly we're all terminal right right we just like some people have a closer timeline that we don't necessarily know so why not that's part of like we said at the beginning like why not live yeah. life to the fullest yeah because you're kind of terminal every day you don't know how much time you have mm-hmm. but I, that's and anyway what i was going to say is when i found out about that i'd be like man it'd be kind of that would be fun to have something that hopefully didn't make you deteriorate. look like shit really fast. Yeah. But just don't tell anyone. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Uh,
2: there's actually a thought. Uh, there's two things I wanted to address before Absolutely. we do the last question. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say them both before I forget. Um, but I want to know... I want to, I'm going to ask you a specific question because okay. I'm very interested in your whole DNR thing Okay,
3: <laughs> where you're like, if
2: I get tapped in the head, just let me go or whatever, <laughs> like, <laughs> which I agree with a lot of it, but I don't, I disagree with some of it. And then the other side is that, uh, I, I wanted to get your take on, on this is that, uh, I, I find that the way that we handle, uh, loved ones dying, uh, it's, I think it's very, it can be very selfish. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, my, my grandmother, or my cramp, grand, my grandfather was kept alive for a long time My grandmother was kept alive for a long as this they had to be alive just because they just couldn't let go it's mm-hmm. a family yep. not being able to let go and so um i uh <laughs> I, this isn't this it started as a joke in the sense that like i tried it out a few times but it really is just an interesting is i just feel like this is an interesting observation that uh that i kind of unlocked with this with a, as something as silly as a facebook post um I saw this Facebook post that said uh, it, it had uh, um, four actors on it and, uh, and it, it said like which one of these guys, if you could, they're all deceased and they said, which one of these guys could you bring back? And there was uh, um, Patrick Swayze, Paul Walker, um, uh, the Joker, the uh, Joker.
0: Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger, and yeah, (laughs) and he's not dead.
2: (laughs) Uh, So yeah, um, Paul Walker, Patrick Swayze, uh, um, Heath Ledger, and Robin Williams. I said, which one of these guys would you want to bring back? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I start prefacing this to people, just curious to see, because I know what people would say. Mm -hmm. And everyone, like, (laughs) one person said a different name. Everyone says Robin Williams, Mm -hmm. which is so funny because it's like you are only thinking about what he gave to you. Mm. and in your own and like he's the only one of these guys that killed themselves mm-hmm. and so to not but all they want is like just another movie or another mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. and this poor guy tortured you know did but so much that, work
1: Well, they also didn't realize too that he was suffering from um a form of dementia, Amanda. what was it called again? Louis body, Lew- yeah, yeah. body dementia. So he had all yeah, so these other, suffering it, that, too. and then yeah.
2: and he and he kind of, if anything, he was like, not not to say I think suicide's a good thing, but like to to, uh, to people say, oh, he was too soon. Like no, he 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 was good. Like he was done. Mm-hmm. And and to, like, what would you have said to keep Robin Williams around at that mm-hmm. point? Like, what would I you wonder... say that you have this left to give? How tired would he have been at that point?
0: No, for sure. And you know, I I completely agree with the selfishness of. Of you know end of life treatments often, as opposed to being in the best interest of, of the patient, and again through through no deliberate maliciousness, just no. you know genuine.
2: I'm not trying to be selfish at all. Yeah, no, but I don't want to let but go of I,
0: I I do wonder though if people in responding to that question are making an assumption that when you say bring back, you actually mean bring back and fix yeah, so right so so his Louis body dimension and stuff is no fixed. longer a factor I, I would okay. guess that if you asked people yeah. they would assume that that would go hand in hand right as opposed to no just bring him back yeah, you know
2: what yeah. I mean yeah yeah absolutely but then you look at like then you look at elderly people uh, they have a lot of value but they don't have a lot more but a lot of potential left mm-hmm. and then Robin Williams was in there not that to say he didn't have potential mm-hmm. but then to say that like you know Paul Walker and and Heath Ledger who gotten i think gotten, got the oscar that when he died like yeah a, yeah, posthumously. Awesome. yeah yeah like to, so it's just so funny I've, so i pitch this people and they're like no still robin williams and it's just like the potential isn't there like just mm-hmm. like how much has he done for you man like
0: i mean i have made the comment before and, and i i really do stand by it i i think that we have become very mixed up in our prioritization of quantity over quality mm-hmm. and that uh, i i i th- I believe, I truly believe it is in in our our best interests individually and socially if we can figure out how to flip that and go for for quality over quantity. Because, yeah, there are many decisions that are made out of a fear of losing quantity. Mm -hmm. And I, I really don't think that they are in people's truest best interests i think that i believe that they are definitely in the best interests as we are superficially understanding best mm-hmm. but i think if you really were to dig into what best could and sh- maybe should be i i don't think it aligns
1: yeah it's int- uh, yeah well that's the thing medicine has kind of done a wonderful thing for like you know giving people longevity of life and vitality of life or whatever mm-hmm. but it's also done that thing to be like don't end life no matter what, you know, like people think the opposite of life is death. Yeah. But like you said earlier on, no, the opposite of life or of, of, of death is birth. Yeah. They're on both sides of the
0: end of the mm-hmm. book. And end, it's, right? It's genuinely meant to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You and know, it's it's not it's not only meant to happen because space has to be made, but because forward progress has to be made, but because there are lessons and gifts in the dying yeah. both for the dying person and for those around them that we're closing ourselves off to because we're like no 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 this can't happen and then when it happens anyway we're so rattled and upset and shaken and horrified and angry by that that we we miss all of the things that we could get from that yeah. that would that would again individually culturally socially i think bring us to better places mm-hmm. you know And it's, 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 it's sad. It's, it's, I get why I told when I, when I say these things, I'm sure it pisses people off. I get why this happens. I'm not saying that it's, it's, you know, that people are assholes or idiots. Mm -hmm. I totally see how we got where we are. I just think that, that there's a different way to approach things.
2: Yeah. And I look at like my dad, like how tortured he has been my whole life. And, uh, and like he's, he's has, uh, some pretty major comorbidities now. He's got a really rare condition that, um, I've never heard of before. And he's getting needles in his eyes every month. Yeah. To relieve pressure. So he doesn't go blind. And, uh, and so they're like, yeah, you also, but that's just a a genetic condition that he was just very lucky or unlucky to get. However you want to look at it. Um, but, uh, to, to look at, you know, to say like, Oh, you should get fit. You should lose weight, whatever. But like that won't bring him happiness. (laughs) He loves eating ice cream, Mm -hmm. you know, let him be happy. Let Mm -hmm. him eat ice cream. And, uh, and this is one thing I'll share is that his dad, uh, when, when, uh, my grandpa, when he died or when he, when his wife died, my grandma, he was so sad and he just wanted, he just, he thought she was, he was Mormon, right? So he thought she was going to come back and get him. So he was just been waiting. He was waiting. He was like, Oh, she'll come back. And he wouldn't leave his house. And, uh, until one day we convinced him to leave his house, we had to leave a note just in case she came back to get him. So we tell him where, where he was going to be. But, uh, but then, you know, a few days go by and she hasn't come back and what's going on. And then he, he finally goes, you know what? I just want to, I just want to, and he was this big overweight guy. Cause she was this Ukrainian gypsy who, who just, uh, who would just feed him pierogies and butter <laughs> and sausage <laughs> and salt. And, uh, so he's this big guy. And then, so she died and he goes, you know what? I'm just going to live my life to the fullest. I'm going to eat everything I want. <laughs> Poor guy wanted to eat. All he wanted to eat was fruit. And he lost like a hundred pounds and he lived for another 15 years. Wow. Until like dementia just ravaged his brain. Yeah. And that was so, but it's just so, it's just so funny and tragic at the same time. He he was going to eat himself to death and he decided to do that with, fruit i'm like no continue eating the way you've yeah, been yeah. eating yeah. like that's what but, you know
0: it's, it's so about funny deep frying some
1: of that fruit yeah
0: <laughs> because that's the thing right it's it's tragic and it's funny yeah. it's pleasure and it's pain mm-hmm. you know and the life and death it's, it is is that razor thin flip mm-hmm. side yeah you know and they have to exist together they do life isn't life without death you know uh, pleasure isn't pleasurable without pain if yeah. you don't have the opposite reference you have nothing you mm-hmm. can't possibly truly appreciate
2: yeah exactly it's like it's like it's like wanting a sunny day every day mm-hmm. yeah, yeah totally it's, That's it's not, it's not real
0: then no. you die of skin cancer because yeah, exactly. you're half albino like yeah. me <laughs> well, <laughs> and,
1: then, and also it's the same as being like hating the darkness because the sun's not there you know, mm-hmm. it's like hating death so we're like it's hating not... the winter oh, oh i yes. hate
2: the winter i don't go to the winter you don't go for for the majority of of our year mm-hmm. not the majority but like you know a big significant part of our year so yes yes so so all of it is the whole year yeah but like how uh, how do well, you but... either just, just
1: like the winter learn how to like the winter you'll well, enjoy your life way better well and even there's there's like there's such value in being in the winter and being in you know it's it's kind of the it's it's dark days it's It's, um, you know, everything around you is dead. Yeah. It's also the most magical time of the year. Exactly. Because there's also like there's this, but there's also like this feeling of, you know, when you're in, it always feels like before Christmas or whatever, you know, before the New Year's, you're like, oh, you're in these dark, dark, you know, it's 3.30 and it's dark. Mm -hmm. You know, it sucks. Yeah, it does suck. but then once you get into January, I don't know, there's this feeling of, you know, oh, spring is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, we're almost in February at this point in this podcast we're recording. And, you know, the forest, it doesn't get mad that it loses all its trees or uh, the leaves off oh. the trees. And, and you know, that stuff's coming back. And there's everything's a cycle, too. I was right? gonna say, mm-hmm.
0: important things happen at every stage. And sometimes yeah. Yeah. you can't see what those things are.
1: No. no. And people, because people could get mad. The funny thing is, is this is something, I don't know, I may have talked about it on this podcast, but something that I've... It was kind of a lesson for me. But when I first moved to where I live now, they have larch trees there. And larch trees are the first tree that I've ever seen that's a coniferous, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it loses Can a we d- say that word? Coniferous. So yeah, we're going that word, said, word now coniferous yeah it's a, it means it's a tree that I has. Know, cones. sounds like a bad word. it know, sounds it does, like you'd call yeah. a tree you don't like <laughs> it does that <laughs> coniferous tree
0: coniferous but it it, it, it does the deciduous, it's deciduous
1: cycle so it <laughs> yeah. loses all the yeah. needles go yellow and they all and brown and they all fall off oh, cool and i remember when i moved to christina lake i was like oh man look at all these trees uh, amanda and i both were looking and be like oh man there's so many of these pine beetle dying trees because yeah. <laughs> you see this like just a giant grove of trees, the forest, like where they're all the needles are falling off and they're everywhere. And then later on I learned I was like, oh, that's actually they're coming back, and mm-hmm. they look really cool the next because you don't think of a, a tree with needles, a pine tree type tree, losing them. And once that's happening, it's over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I learned I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And yeah, like you say, you just you just don't know what cycle of good or bad you're in. Yeah, who knows what's know? good at that point, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's relative. Yeah, yeah. it's relative.
2: Okay, can I ask you the question? Yeah, for sure. Yes. So you are adamantly that if your heart stops for any reason, mm-hmm. you don't want CPR? At this point, yes. Right? Even though you're you're young, you could recover oh, from CPR. I'm well older than you. Well, yeah. You're still very young. <laughs> She's not well older than you.
0: I am. I'm <laughs> a decade older than so, him. So
2: obviously, oh, I, I totally get the whole, uh, are you really? Yes. Wow, I look a decade older than you.
3: <laughs> that, that's true. I will say this. <laughs> Wow. That's, that's terrible. Oh
2: man. Mm-hmm. Uh no, so it's so, not terrible, it's true. <laughs> so obviously it's obviously if your heart stops, you, you don't want to be revived or anything. If you get hit in the head, I totally get if you get hit in the head hard enough that your heart stops, do not try to get me back. Please don't mm. try to get me back. Uh uh, it's not going to be a good time. If
0: Andrew Alex me in a puddle of water, I also choose not to be uh, yeah, resuscitated. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard
2: that. <laughs> episode one. How do, you, how do you feel about dismemberment? Like losing a oh. whole limb? Like wh- Like, t- I mean, like if it did, below like, the knee, above the knee, where are if you? If it where you're honestly like, Let me didn't
0: outright kill me, yeah. I suppose I would figure out how to deal with it. I don't okay. imagine I'd be a very happy camper. Right. But I, I suspect I'd figure out how to live with it. And really... You know, if ever there was a time for that to happen, I'm certainly glad that I live now and not in like the 1700s. Oh, of
3: course, yeah. Uh, because
0: mm-hmm. we do have some amazing technology. Right. So it's not like you'd necessarily, you would have massive lifestyle changes, but right. it wouldn't necessarily like completely obliterate everything that you used to be able to do. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. But over how about overdose or anything like that? Like we're getting specific, right? but. Uh...
0: Overdose. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if if I ended up overdosing, it would either A, be deliberate in which case, no, please don't bring me back.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Or, or B, I would have gone down a, a dark, a dark road that I don't see as being particularly likely for myself. So I can't. Or may, so maybe somebody's trying to murder me. In yeah. which case, yeah, I was probably. worried. About, I
1: thought you were going to say, or it was Andrew's fault. No, I was going to say, <laughs> like, if,
0: and if somebody's trying to murder me. Well, probably just leave me dead yeah. too, because there's, I'm sure there's. I was trying to
2: figure out if it's like physical issues that you would want, or is it really just cognitively? So, like, if, if you, let's let's say let's say like. They See, bring Sam's asking
1: the questions better than I was in the yeah. episode. Yeah, because no, that's really I, what I, I was it's, like, what? That's a blanket statement I think about it's DNR? Mostly,
0: I think it's mostly a fear of losing uh, my mental faculties. Yeah. That being said, I I truly don't know if I could predict how well I would deal with a major physical incapacitation. Mm-hmm. Which then might result in enough mental anguish that I would wish that i was dead okay but yeah. that being the case i now have made as an option
2: yeah right so yeah. and then but then but then have... i
0: damn well better have my mental faculties right because if i if like i'm perfect mental if, faculties well enough that i'm considered competent if i'm right. not considered competent and i can't apply for made oh yeah that is not gonna be pretty
2: yeah that that's the that's the hard line where like i totally agree with you if you got hit in the head hard enough that like your heart stopped and they had to bring you back <laughs> they obviously you got hit in the heart and the hard, uh, hit hard in the head and you didn't die. Obviously, you can do anything about that. Um, but uh, let's say that happened. Would you be like, do you want to be 100%? Like, are you
0: do you need? to I mean, be hundred percent? I prefer to be 100%. Yeah. Uh, the thing is that I, realistic. Mean, these are all conversations that I'm having here and now. Yeah. Realistically, there's a very good possibility that something could ha- could happen. I could lose my faculties or some of my faculties. And I wouldn't know that I had. I wouldn't know the difference. In which case, I might just tootle along merrily. But standing here where I am now, I would be like, yeah, no thanks.
2: And, and would you be interested in, both of you actually, would you be interested in downloading your brain into AI? <laughs>
3: hmm.
0: I really do I I would give it very serious consideration. I don't know if I'm 100% on board all the way unless again kind of like made there was a way that i could be like okay i get to delete my program at some point when i'm bored to fucking tears and none of this is worth it anymore right because i I actually think that living forever
1: would be horrible it would that's my that's my thought too is that i was i was gonna say i don't think i would download it i would say i would say but that's that's based on a, a question that is like again kind of unanswerable in the way that like what does that mean? Am I still me? Am I still like? Just... Did I die and experience death? But, am I, and then I? Am I, have I another part of me? Yeah, do I come? Going on? Do I come a program without a body? Yeah. And then at that point, I get just a thinking mind. And then, then how do I exp- You know, can I experience? And if it's going to be, a...
0: I, 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 and it depends on what form it's going to take. Because like, uh, have you seen? Oh, what is that Netflix show? Upload? No, it's not Netflix. It's uh, Prime. I think, it's on prim- I think it's called Upload. I think it's called Upload. Prim- it's kind of sort of a comedy, but it's exactly that premise. Where in the future, people can uh, upload their consciousness uh, after death and carry on. But it is a commercial market. So if you don't have much money, you get a shitty program to live in and you can't mm. do that much. And you have to watch ads and do things to be able to do anything in your quote-unquote digital afterlife. If you're rich, you can go hang out in a nice program and have servant programs and do fun things like fuck. No, I don't want any part of any of that. Yeah. Even if I was rich, I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. I like, I like
2: being mortal. I think that's cool. Well, I also think that's what I wanted to know. Thank you for answering that.
1: Well, and I I was going to say to better my answer too. I also think like something for my own personal truth is that I, I, what I feel is that it, it, um, there's something that I feel about life that is like, and again, I, I'm coming from a place of ignorance. I know there's a major computing, amazing things happening with technology in that way and I don't know where that's going and there's lots of people doing trying to do like Neuralink like Elon Musk is trying to do but I also think there's something about just consciousness and living where you know no matter how deep they go on a molecular level looking smaller and smaller they always find more and more Mm -hmm. that they can't understand and I think that's by almost by design that there's like the intangible thing that we can never put our fingers on about, we know something's, we know we're going to die, but we can never know that we know. Mm-hmm. And I, I think putting yourself into an AI consciousness would be answering the question of knowing that you know something. Cause you're also, you're putting yourself into something where you're like, this is the constraints of what it's going to be. There's still going to be a wall in it. You're still within a, a vessel, you know, whereas I think your actual consciousness, and uh, Enough. How you uh, when you die is not really like un- it's unknowable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It can't be in a program mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if it's in a pro, uh, you know what I mean. Like if you if you put yourself into a program, there's a way that you could be. They'd be like, "Well, we know how to take it out." Imagine mm-hmm. if that program just turns into like Facebook, and you're just like, Ugh. "Oh yeah, hate <laughs> you know, living that's... your life every day because the <laughs> yeah. feeds are terrible." <laughs> right? That's, that's kind of get a friend request from your mom right away who's been <laughs> dead for twenty years. Like, Shit.
0: That's kind of that's kind of the thing though, because yeah, like I maybe I would dabble in it just to see what it was, but I I definitely would not, I don't I can't imagine wanting to stay in an AI state mm-hmm. um, or a downloaded or uploaded or however we're gonna phrase that. That being said, the idea of dying and returning this blip of consciousness potentially to a greater consciousness that exists, you know, ad infinitum, if that's the correct Latin. That that idea doesn't bother me. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what the difference would be, mm-hmm. but it doesn't bother me.
2: Right. <laughs> so like you would die. Yeah. Like and the, then they would just bring you back.
0: <laughs> no, no. Well, like the idea that, like, you know, that there are there are some religious traditions, um, and I'm I'm talking to a very, very loose personal variation on that, where like we are all, you know, tiny subunits of one greater consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea that if I die, I go back to that consciousness and, and rejoin the one or whatever. That that concept, although is it is far beyond my true comprehension. That idea in general doesn't really that doesn't bother me. I don't go, oh no, I, I just want to be done. Right. But if you were to say, oh, you could stay as you, knowing yourself and being yourself and all of that in some sort of an AI electronic state, uh, yeah, that makes my stomach feel a bit queasy.
1: <laughs> well, and that's uh, do you know Duncan Trussell? So he's one of my favorite comedians, and I, I'll call him a philosopher too because. Some of the thing he says is... Duncan,
0: you're on our bucket list. Come talk to us. Yeah, he's
1: on there too. He's going to (laughs) come on with... uh, We'll have him before Elon, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But he... uh, You know, one of the things he says is that it's interesting that... And it's not just his words, but something he sort of correlates as he goes, it's interesting how we're trying to do this thing and, you know, make technology sort of accept human consciousness in a way or try to merge the two or whatever. And as we do that, we're building these you know what are people doing they're they're, the most popular games have been you know immersive world games where you do like red dead redemption or grand theft auto where you're like in this world yeah and you you know you you can change your haircut your clothes and you do this stuff and then well that's that's what he's saying he's like we're trying to build these things and he goes now we're even more with facebook becoming meta and be like you could be in the metaverse and just this is where we're going to meet up and like we're all going to hang out on this beach here And fake property next to Shaq. Exactly. Like fake is you do all these things. And, but then, so as we're trying to build this and that it gets more and more immersive, we're actually putting ourselves in a simulation when we're in a simulation, you know, we're already doing the simulation right Right. now. And as our, as we get smarter and smarter, be like, I know how we'll get out of this. We'll build a thing when really our collective consciousness has already built the thing that we're actually living in. So you know what I mean? So discovering the actual AI that's smarter than us is actually discovering us. I think it's really cool that, that on the same end that we're
2: trying to go more just deep down and just be like, hey, how do we just become more like forever in yeah. this thing in the AI? I, 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 sure, if you want to do that. I love that Elon Musk is like, let's become seafarers of space, you know, like, yeah, yeah. that's amazing to me like mm-hmm. that. That's to see how long the humans can go. Mm-hmm. That's all. I, that's what I'm about. I, I'm yeah. about the human species. How, see how they live on, mm-hmm. you know, which I just think is so interesting. Yeah. All right. Last question time.
0: Yeah. We're good. <laughs> it is only two thirty in the morning for those of you listening to this. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, you already know what the question is, but I'll ask it just for the sake of the audience. What does a good death mean to you?
2: So, uh, yeah, I thought about this a little bit and, uh, by a little bit he means like a small way essay way too way too much <laughs> mm-hmm. about it but uh, so i was trying to think of like what would a bad death mean to me and that would be like i think someone's ideal death would be my worst idea of a death like i t- i told my sister and uh i told my sister that the 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 um my least ideal way to die would be getting shot in the head while i'm asleep and and then she's like that's her most ideal way to go yeah, that's me too. Just I instant, over. right out, right? And so with me, it's, there's no experiencing that. There's no experiencing ah. that transition. But how so, do you know that? Yeah, that's... It, the fact that you're destroying the brain. Yeah, who knows yeah. what's happening with the brain? I who, was
0: going to say, but, but if you get yeah. that DMT release, that could feel like it lasts for years. Mm-hmm.
2: It could, but is there enough brain to understand, the, to, to figure out the DMT? And Yeah, I guess it's the brainstem, right? So yeah, may, maybe. that That's my worst fear is just dying quickly in my sleep. So it sounds to like think. to me,
1: it's like... I don't want to project or put words in your mouth here but in order for you to come up with your good death you're actually more going what you don't want yeah but also in that you're putting together again wanting to know what you know because you have alluded to it a couple times in this recording this podcast being like you're like i hope it's painful and slow yeah and and in a very morbid way not that i needed i I know what you mean yeah i don't I, i know what you're saying is you want to be able to experience have a visceral even feeling. if it's quick you know i yes. wanted
3: i
2: wanted to be slow enough that like, like you i can appreciate what's happening like i, I also I, on the podcast you took actually one of my answers but i would I would really like to know what it was like to do a guillotine just to oh, know yeah, yeah. how long yeah it fascinates me away from my body that's that that's interesting i
1: think it would be funny to be able to like if you could your last memory being like being like whoa i'm looking at my body and yeah. these guy's and then Kind of smiling at them. You yeah. Know, and being like, Haha, see ya. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: so
2: I won. Yeah, exactly. I just want to see if I can say something mm-hmm. to him. Uh, but then, so then what I would actually probably want, is I, I think, and everybody obviously wants a noble death. And I think that, you know, you look at Nor Donald and Alan Rickman and how they mm-hmm. handled that. So if I were to get cancer or something, you know, that's how I would probably want to go with cancer. It all depends on what happens. Drowning seems interesting. Hmm other than the first initial panic Mm -hmm. you know and then uh yeah whatever it is i just i just hope i get to experience it Mm -hmm. even for just a little bit but long time or hopefully not too long obviously Mm -hmm. i don't want to suffer for too long you know Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah i I wanted to be i wanted to be if it's quick i hope it's not too quick and and uh and if it's slow i hope it's not too slow and uh and i just like to be able to experience that transition cause I've just been so interested in my whole life mm-hmm. to to be able to just sit in that for a second mm-hmm. would be great, yeah,
0: so we should plan a timeline to like like mid range poison you,
2: mm-hmm. no, I mean ideally <laughs> if i if i'm if I'm like ninety years old, hopefully my grandkids would be like. Like oh man, grandpa's heart stopped. Like oh, he had a heart attack. Like no, he was doing like so many drugs, <laughs> and his heart exploded out of his chest. Like that that seems great to me too. So it's yeah. just like you know,
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. The comedian me was wanted to be like, <laughs> to be like, it would be fun to do some sort of psychedelics with you, and get you in a really like nice state, and you're just like, and then be like, I'm really. I don't know i hope you're not i'll be okay with this but you're dying yeah and then just like screw with you a little bit for that and then be like we're you're gonna done. try this out for a while we're, we're gonna draw this out for a while you know and yeah. and see how you how do you feel now <laughs> you'll probably be really mad when you wake up the next morning and we're like you son of a bitch i'm not dying <laughs> and the only other thing i would add is that this is obviously very
2: hard uh, if i could if i could put a simulation in this is the end of me hmm. uh, the the uh the the kid in me who loved video games and loved army movies or zombie movies or anything like sacrificing myself for the good of a people. Mm. Sounds amazing. Mm. Like Armageddon, you know, that's the hero's journey. Yeah. Locking uh, Harry into the astronaut saying, go take care of my daughter for me. Right. And, And then, you know, send off the plane just to, just to blow up the asteroid or, uh, covered in zombies but waiting for them to get more so you can blow up the c4 on your chest like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff where it's just like that that yeah So mm-hmm. to- i totally go for that interesting yeah that's those are my answers mm-hmm. that,
0: that may be the most unique answer so far i love yeah. it mm-hmm. um, okay what do you have to plug nothing
2: oh, uh comedy of the fe in kamloops <laughs> uh, the nothing and uh <laughs> nothing yeah. um yeah comedy of the we we do an open mic uh in kamloops at uh this place called the the fe arts collective yes and uh so it starts at 8 p.m every wednesday we're trying to get this going and then other than that uh there's some things i'm working on but i haven't actually um finished yet so
1: well i have a feeling we're gonna have you back on this podcast because be you know we only scratch the surface and I'm sure we could talk about this for hours. And also, I will plug your. You have an Instagram. You're what? Oh, at new Sam Elliott. New Sam Elliott. Yeah. That's right. So, and yes, he's not the old Sam Elliott. Not the old Sam
2: Elliott. Uh, Who new is a, Sam Elliott yeah. spelled the same way.
1: It is spelled the same way. Yeah. Yes, and it's. Uh, if, but that's the problem is because Sam that we're talking to now is an amazing comedian. I'm sure you're going to see him one day somewhere. And mr elliot sam elliot no you the oh, person me. not <laughs> the old guy and that's why i'm saying your instagram because the people will be like, when he dies guy? i can be the only sam yeah I'm that's made. true you can steal that blue check mark yeah. <laughs> and I, I say follows instagram because uh I, i'm planning on hopefully convincing sam to do more comedy with me on the road and he may be coming to uh a funeral home near you. Yeah, if you're interested in what I'm doing, I,
2: I'm, I, my, my mind can't stop. And there's a lot of things I'm creative right now. So if you want to just come along with that ride, if you want to see what happens with me, follow me. It might be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. Amazing. Thanks Thank for having you me, so guys. Much. Yeah, thanks Appreciate so much, it. Sam. Good morning. Yeah, good morning.
2: <laughs> good morning, everybody.
0: Thank you for joining us. We hope we brought this dead conversation to life for you. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider liking or subscribing on your chosen podcast player. Information related to the podcast can be found at the link in our Instagram profile, at tmtdpod, and you can always follow us while you're there. Finally, please share the love, tell a friend, maybe even a dead one, to check us out.